What's up, fam? Welcome back to That's the Angle. And guys, I am so excited for quarantine to be over because I've been doing so much work with all this free time uh, on That's the Angle's website, the brand, the media, and events that I can't wait to just get rocking and rolling and throw some awesome events and do more face-to-face podcasts when all is said and done. Oof. And also, guys, if you appreciate this, uh, the podcast, or if you're a fan of the YouTube channel, please show me some love. It would mean everything uh, because I, I don't really monetize any of this stuff. I really wish I did or I had a better way of doing it, but that's in the works until then. I just enjoy putting the content out there. A sponsor would be hella dope. That'd be hella dope. But anyways, guys, I'm joined with Charlie V, Charlie Viscanage here uh, in this episode, and he is a super talented painter, art show producer, and just an all-around cool dude. We sat, drank some beers, talked shop, and just had a really good time. I think you're really going to like this one. So please enjoy. Yeah. What's up, guys? Welcome back to That's the Angle. We're drinking cheap beer, and I am joined here with Charlie Visconage. Yeah. I said it right? Yeah, nicely done. Oh, my God. Literally, I, I've talked about these other people, <laughs> and not, they didn't know how to say your last name either. Yeah, it is, it's uh, confusing unnecessarily, and I blame <laughs> my ancestors. See, you got to do what I do and choose the best parts of your name. Bruce Allen is my first and middle name, not my first and last name. Ooh, nice. So you went like Hollywood with it. I kind of did, right? I think that works for you. Hollywood with it. <laughs> I went Hollywood. Bruce Allen sounds like a very attractive like CW star. <laughs> like that would be somebody who's been on Supernatural for 22 seasons. Oh, my God. I almost choked on my beer. <laughs> it's dangerous up in here. Yeah, I can hit with the CW reference. Man, at least give me like a telenovela or something like that, man. <laughs> I'm not that cultured. I, yeah, I don't have those beautiful locks to be on fucking CW. <laughs> That's true. You, you are maybe more of a Univision casting. Yeah, you know, there we go. Telemundo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But, dude, um, it's so crazy and awesome to have you on the show because we've been friends for like over a year, maybe two years now. Yeah. We met at the DC Art Studio up in Tacoma Park, where it's just the most northern part hippie city of DC. <laughs> like a, as far as you can go away from kind of dense urban where it's still technically the district. Yeah. Like if you're going to have kids, that's where you go. Yeah. It's definitely the kids zone. Like that, it's it's better than moving to Arlington, I guess, to be to get real pejorative with it real quick. Actually, it kind of is. Like you still kind of have the city feel, but you're still like being a hippie and like being cool and it's still kind of safe quote unquote yes and you can have a yard uh that is potentially true. they do have yards out there Holy yeah sh- i didn't even think about shout that. out to the yards yeah shout out <laughs> to people at the yards yard gang <laughs> I, know, I know you're i know you're probably thinking about your hedges right now <laughs> mowing your lawn listening to this podcast yeah. <laughs> man i hope that would you're be right? fun oh man dude i haven't had this beer since my first exhibition that's crazy wow yeah, we were selling was, stuff. Was that the one that coolly got shut down by the police because it was too rocking? Yes, that is oh, exactly nice. what happened. And then I got shut down for selling this beer. Oh, really? Yeah, the ABC <laughs> cops who busted us. Boo. Yeah, I just say cops because it sounds cool, but it was actually the ABC cops. Yeah. Yeah, isn't that nuts? Liquor police, freeze! <laughs> I'm like, dude, we're taking donations. I guess they had like one come up to the bar and like just... Try to get a beer. And oh, like was, a mole. Exactly. They, they they spiked us. Nothing better to do. I know, I know. But dude, <laughs> we've been friends since DC Art Studio, and it's cool. Yeah. And I'm glad we never did the interview there because I was doing the podcast then. Yeah, I know. I know you were. You've been doing it for a while. Yeah, over a year now. You know, <laughs> like I, I think people now start to value and say, "Oh shit, this guy ain't faking." But well, and I feel like especially lately, like I said to you uh, over Insta when you invited me, I just feel like I've been seeing it more on social media. Like I feel like you are 
I mean, obviously you've been doing it for a while, but the impression that I get is that you're on kind of a hot streak at the moment. Oh, thank you. Well, you're a part of it now. Man. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the views. Yeah. <laughs> Hook me up. Give me that bump. Yeah. Every, everyone getting the views at the ECR studio. Sorry for you guys, but you know, some of those interviews popped off, but not all. <laughs> but I do think that if we would have done the interview, then it would have been a little premature. Yeah. I think now is the perfect time because you just got back from Japan, right? Yeah, I was just in Japan. What the fuck um, were you doing in Japan? So I got into a residency there. Um, so like one cool thing about, for me, that I like about painting stuff is that it is kind of slowly becoming an excuse to travel to places that I already like. It's a or, great excuse. So like the first one, just to walk it back for a little bit, two years ago... I went to Slovenia, like middle of nowhere, Slovenia for a self-taught artist residency there. And it was like a 10 day kind of intensive thing with seven or eight other people from mostly Europe. Um, But it was super cool. It was just like great to get out of my studio comfort zone and make new work in a new place and kind of have, excuse me, have all the kind of inputs being in a different place you know, not necessarily directly reflected in yeah. work, but kind of filter through that. And, you know, it's a little bit kind of um, unnerving. You're like, shit, am I, were the components of my success being in it, this single environment or does that not really matter? Oh, that's true. And yeah. is it more about just my own? And thankfully, the latter is true. It's about my own creative energy and wherever I put it. Um, but that was such a fun experience. So I belong to a couple Facebook groups that are all kind of, residencies for artists and i found this japan one on it and it was so i've been to japan two other times prior that's Um, insanely awesome dude i i really love it um and so i got into this one and this one was much more kind of like independent uh creation so Mm. it would took place um in a little town called matsudo which is like 45 minutes west of tokyo proper so it's kind of like living in rockville off the red line (laughs) Okay. Um, except the trains are good. Um, but but it was still like what you and I would consider pretty densely urban. Um, so I had a, the studio space was a fourth and fifth floor walk up above a pachinko parlor. So it reeked of cigarette smoke and you could hear the little like... Pachinko is like the little metal balls, right? Yeah. And it's just like super addictive, like gambling. Um, <laughs> so it was like starting at 10 a.m., people were lining up outside of the pachinko parlor. So there were two separate entrances, but like it had been built sort of like a duplex on top of it. Ah. Um, and and so these fourth and fifth floors used to be a love hotel because sex work is legal in Japan. So it was like a, a love hotel in the 90s, but had been reconstituted to an art space. But like some of the original decor was still there. So it was like a faded pink. It had like a real <laughs> The Shining vibe to it. Yeah, that could either be really hot or just really scary. Uh, it was a little scary, ex- except that thankfully the lights were on all the time. Oh, um, so that was good. And the bathroom was amazing. It was like the living, the little apartment that my wife came with me and the apartment that we had, like the room was pretty spare. It was fine. But the bathroom was amazing. It had a big ass tub. I, I love taking a nice bath. Wow. Okay. Um, and it had like a really nice shower. So we were both pleasantly surprised by that. And we were like, okay, like this is not that bad. Um, that sounds dope as hell. It was great. And then my little studio spot uh, was just a floor below where I was sitting. I'll have to show you a picture, but yeah. I was sitting in this like creepy room that had like children's drawings that were sort of faded on the walls. Um, but it was really bright and airy. Um, and just being in this particular town, Matsudo, which I had not been to on my previous visits. Yeah was really cool for me. Like the colors 
and kind of a vibrancy of the town really struck me in a way that I was not expecting. That um, makes sense because you use a lot of vibrant colors in your work. Yeah. I, I think just the way that they were presented um, kind of, I don't know, popped like popped in my brain a little bit differently. And so some of the now color palette that I'm working with, making some portraits from this trip is a little bit different. It's definitely brighter than what I've been doing. Uh, and I'm really happy with a lot of the stuff that I made from it. Dude, that sounds insane. I mean, that sounds kind of like a movie, like staying above a pachinko parlor in, in an ex-love <laughs> hotel with your wife, like, and you had this insanely amazing bathroom. Like, that's, like, you couldn't write a better situation. It was really great. Um, and I ended up meeting a bunch of locals. So those were people, and I, you know, told them what I was there for. Uh, you know, I was doing this painting thing, and people were really nice. And so, so I had taken a, a tiny, tiny bit of Japanese um, over like Skype lessons before I went because I figured like third time I should have some very basic interaction kind That's of stuff true. and ordering like food and drink. Okay. Um, so people respected that I could like do that. And then after that, it was like handing my phone back and forth for Google translate. <laughs> wait, wait, but what do you mean? Like a residency, especially in a place like Japan or Slovenia, you just go there and paint and then they're like, okay, like how, what is that? Yeah. So that's a good question. So it really, especially these two couldn't have been more different. And so the Slovenia one was very, it was almost like an adult summer camp would be a way to put it. Like it took place in June, it was 10 days and it was like, so that one in particular, everything was covered. They covered flights and Whoa. hotels. I mean, it was very extremely generous. Was it hard to get in? Like, was it an application process? It or? was an application process, yeah. Um, so I guess I did pretty well on that. Nice. Um, and I, I do have to say my friend and fellow DC artist, Matt Ciso, who's one of the, the OGs here, uh, had done it before. And so he had recommended me, which I think really helped. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I got there. You know, you get there with these other folks. Like I flew into Croatia um, and then they picked me up there along with some others and we drove across the border to Slovenia. Um, so it's like Slovenia's EU, so Croatia's not. So they have kind of like a fun, uh, like friendly rivalry, I would say. Mm. But it was kind of like, so every day we'd get up, have breakfast as a group. I mean, again, summer camp. <laughs> and then go, the studio uh, and gallery space was across the street. So we'd go across the street, go in there and kind of like, you know, they made us coffee and they like put out fruit and stuff. It sounds and so friendly. It, w it was really nice. I mean, the Slovenian folks there were so nice. All of them spoke perfect English. So it was very easy to get around. I mean, it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. It was like I, a little. Yeah, I can't help but imagine in Slovenia, like caring for the arts would be a thing. Like Maybe it's like my ignorant Western view <laughs> of like everywhere else is a third world country. Yeah. But like. I guess it's not. No, definitely not. I mean, they are pretty industrialized. Mm -hmm. um, and they used to be part of Italy way back when. So, like, all the pasta and delicious carbs are so well done there. Oh, that's um, interesting. What an interesting sort of, ins like, inspiration for the cuisine over there. Yeah. So, I was eating, like, my favorite kind of heavy meals <laughs> and kind of balancing that by, like, running four miles in the morning every day. God. Um but so the deal with that one was that the kind of transaction of them covering everything was at least one piece that you made had to remain with them to be part of their permanent collection. Oh. And then anything else that you made, you're free to, you know, either donate to them or bring back. So I made four total and I left them a pretty big one that I did. Um, and then I took the other three back. That's incredible. It was fun. And they had, they would also have like local. Uh, like school children and other like older adult groups come through 
to kind of observe us work and you know you would kind of like do your little spiel as they went from station to station oh, that's nice. um, so it was cool it was really a great way to kind of meet it's such like a unique totally rare people. opportunity that yeah. i feel like most artists don't access or even know about like i feel like that's not very public information no i mean i've been trying to kind of preach it to as many friends as will listen because like i think for my kind of work it's pretty hard to find a residency domestically. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know some people like at DC art studios have done like Vermont studio center, which looks awesome. I feel like my chances of getting in there are probably not very high. I'm not familiar with it, but yeah, fuck them. Uh, (laughs) 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 Um, But, but like for foreign ones, it's great because you know, it's not like you are exotic per se, but like your work is certainly. Mm, and you're American, which is like, ooh, we have an American artist coming. Exactly, yeah. Um, and so for the Japan one, it was very different. And I think there was a little bit of, candidly, a little bit of a disconnect. Like over email, I think they they made it seem like it was going to be a lot more like, excuse me. Yeah, this beer makes me burp. I know. Too. I don't know <laughs> about, so gross. about this cheap beer. I'm just like, oh God, I'm like coming up <laughs> for a Chipotle nap. I'm like, what the <laughs> Getting gassy. Yeah, I can see why it's four dollars <laughs> for six of them. <laughs> that, that refined beer has its uh, place, but yeah, right. um, so that one I think originally was kind of pitched to me as being a lot more collaborative. It didn't necessarily end up that way, but it was still fine. The Tokyo one, yeah, the the Tokyo one. In that, I think that there was some fears about coronavirus. Like they, oh, people shit. were still going out about their daily lives, but a lot of events were canceled. And I think that the the organizers of the residency were kind of scrambling a little bit based on that. And none of them lived there either. So that kind of made it a little bit challenging. Ooh, that's such a hot topic. Now let's talk about it. How are they thinking about that in Matsudo? Yeah, so the local government, so they are technically like just outside of the Tokyo metro area. So they're like their own county, mm. essentially. So they canceled a lot of stuff, but they kept, you know, like uh, until the pre- until the prime minister Abe canceled school, like people were still going to school, people are still going to work. But in public everywhere, both in Matsudo and then in Tokyo proper, they just had hand sanitizer like pumps and like before you get on the train, you get a little bit of that pump and keep moving. That's and so crazy. That's just what everybody did. Like people are very hygienic anyway. And I think like, uh, and you know, they have a big culture anyway of kind of wearing those masks. But that's more like you would wear that if you were feeling sick. It's not, you don't it wear it. It doesn't protect you from anything. It's no. only it protects other people from you. Correct. It is because you would feel self-conscious about like coughing on someone. Mm. Um, so there was a lot of that, but I think that they were, the organizers were a little bit skittish. And then at the very end, we had like an amazing day where they, they connected me with four different people to where I interviewed them. Uh, and then I took their picture and now I'm making portraits based off of them. So I have kind of like one crop of folks that I met on my own and then one crop of people who, you know, they facilitated these awesome interviews for me, like on the second to last day. Mm, that's interesting. But they're not freaking out about Corona. They're just kind of like cautious, but they're not yeah, like I would state say like, of shutdown. I mean, closing schools is kind of freaking out. But Yeah, that's kind of freaking out. Um, and like museums were closed. Um, some theme parks were closed. That's so um, crazy. But I still feel like people were okay. No one, you know, people were like going out to bars and stuff. Dude, I, mean, I watched the Joe Rogan episode he had with a, uh, 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 a oh, fuck, what is it? A uh, an expert on this stuff. Uh, what is it, like social bacteria or something like that? Anyways, the expert on viruses and stuff spreading like that. And what he had to say scared the shit out of me. Yeah, like he he was he was talking about it, and one of the first things he was like, "Look, he's like, this is just the beginning." 
he was like, we still, ha- it's not just like next week this is going to be over. He's like, we have two two to three more months of seeing what happens of this thing festering yeah. and, and seeing like where this is going to go. And and one of the crazier parts was he was talking about like people shutting down schools. And he was mentioning how it may not be a good idea because the way he broke it down was because all the people who, all, all the kids who have to go to school, if it's shut down for months at a time, Who's going to take care of those kids while the other parents have to work? Now it creates a situation where yeah. the parents, they might not be able to work or they can't afford daycare because school is in some ways a daycare. Right. And and then what was the interesting facts behind that was he was saying is that like the kids aren't getting sick and dying from it. It's the older people. So it's, yeah. it's the adults, especially the, the healthcare workers who are catching all of it because they're, you know, being superheroes out there. Right. And then they have to come home to their kids. And, and he was even giving examples of how, the whole schools would be infected, but only the teachers would get it. But this, but for some reason, with kids, it's that different. sounds like a fucking horror movie. <laughs> yeah, and so he's and so he was like trying to say like you know canceling school might not be the best idea, but it just seems like a like a short term sort of fix. Yeah, for people things. people want some sort of like cut and dry solution, yeah. and it's just not that. Yeah, it's interesting. So like in my own family, my sister works for Target at a corporate level, but she's basically like a manager in store. She's doing this training program. And she's just been texting me like people are going nuts. She's like, it's worse than Christmas and Black Friday combined. What? She's like, people are grabbing Purell and holding them like infants and like clutching Those them. Those memes are the best too, by the way. Oh, yeah. It's insane. But she's just like, I see all these young, healthy people doing it. And then my dad. So uh, two years ago, I donated a kidney to him. Oh, shit. And so he he really does have a suppressed immune system. Like he is the one. He's a high risk. He's a super high risk. So like. We're getting together next week, and he's like, "Okay, we're not doing it until like your official quarantine time is up." You know, Whoa. which I and he is very much like everybody gets your flu shots. Like, I don't, I don't want any of this like abstaining bullshit because he could really get sick like very easily. That's so crazy. Yeah, I mean, and the way the guy broke it down was he was saying that um, if you're if you, the best thing you can do is be healthy, take your vitamins, and yep. have a strong immune system. The people who are at most at risk are older people with compromised immune systems. Obese people because having high blood pressure, you can't really fight diseases and stuff yeah, like that. That'll get you. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, if a bunch of fat people died, I wouldn't be that upset. <laughs> but like because it's like you had your chance to get you know, I'm just kidding. That's kind of fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, fat shaming on no, this angle. No, that's I'm messed just, up. I know you're just kidding. I'm just having uh, fun. Yeah. But like, but but I mean it's just so crazy. And while I was listening to last night, just kind of like baked, I'm like, oh my god, what if everyone started just becoming super fit and healthy and taking vitamins because they were so scared <laughs> they were gonna catch corona? Like what a great way to solve that. Yeah. I mean, I think that there could be some positive outcomes, especially by way of like making sick leave more of a like permanent thing for people who have like hourly or service jobs. Mm, um, yeah. Because it's, and maybe if it gets mandated at a federal level, even like that would be amazing, you know, to ensure those kind of like workers' rights. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you can see what sort of political stripe I have based on that, but like, yeah, whatever. I, yeah, left baby. Um, <laughs> but like, I think that, yeah, that you're an artist, of course. Yeah, it could be a like positive coming. I know. <laughs> um, that that could be a positive outcome. Ultimately, yeah. it's just like ensuring those protections so that people's wages are not compromised. Yeah, I mean, that guy was saying some crazy mind blowing shit about how we're just not prepared for this. Like, no one takes thinking about viruses or thinking about vaccine and planning ahead of time. And he gave this example of how, ooh, another burp, all right, how in Puerto Rico, uh, in a specific part of Puerto Rico, it's responsible for like 90% of our IV 
uh, production. It's, wow. it's like an entire city, and there's just one ti- giant skyscraper that makes 90% of like the world's IVs. Wow. And he was telling people, he even wrote about in a book, he was like, look, if, if a natural disaster hits Puerto Rico, we're going to be fucked. Yeah. And it happened. Uh-huh. And, and all of a sudden, the world was in a huge scare. And then he also gave the other example of how in China, they make most of our like insanely like smart, like they make most of our amazing antibiotics for all of our people. So now that even importing from China, getting food from China was pretty much impossible. Now getting anything from China, now all those people are getting sick. They're being scared. Who's going to make those drugs for us? Yeah. And yeah. it's so interesting. It's like, damn, maybe we should have thought about doing this stuff in America. It's like, <sighs> yeah, but to bring this back full circle as artists, like it makes me wonder how this affects us. You know, I have a show coming up, not for me, but I'm producing for someone else. And I'm, and he asked me, and this scared the shit out of me, but also made me like call him ridiculous. But at the same time, there's facts. So he goes, do we have a contingency plan in case this gets postponed? Because this is in two weeks, but a lot can happen in two yeah. weeks. Yeah, is this the Chris Suspect show? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking about that on the way over here. So I have kind of a spinoff company with some friends, which we can get to. And we had this Valentine's Day horror bar pop-up installation right before I left for Japan. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so glad that was not something we had to worry about because dude, no one would have come. Like it would have been like all this money and effort for nothing. Yeah, and we'll definitely get more into like all the events we're doing because I love that about you. I love that you've been doing that. But yeah, that's so weird. That I mean, it was only a gathering of of a few hundred people. Yeah. But the thing about the corona is that you don't you can spread it for the for four to six days before you show symptoms. Yeah. So that's the <clears throat> weird part. Yeah. I mean, so what is your thought on that? Are you going to put a thing out to people coming? Like, listen, if you're not feeling well, don't come or what's the, uh, I'm just not going to say anything. Yeah. I mean, personally, you think personal discretion will win the day? Yeah. I mean, the way I look at it is I'm, I don't want to live my life in fear of it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I I feel the same way. Like if, if it happens, it happens. If anything, I'm the most optimal person to, to not get sick from coronavirus. Yeah. So I'm not worried about that. Most of the people that come to the shows are like 35 and below anyways. They look pretty fit to me. I don't know. But like to cancel something like Coachella, okay, yeah, that makes sense. We're at the peak of this whole thing. But to cancel something like an art show where a few hundred people are going to come out. Yeah, I feel like that is just like unnecessary. Yeah, you know, it just feels like too much. And if if one person's sick, then do just stay your ass home. Mm -hmm. Agree. Yeah, and so that's that's my plans on it. Like, look, if in two weeks we're in a state of emergency lockdown... I will be like blown. I will yeah. be so like, what? What do I do? I mean, I'll be okay. We'll postpone. It. I have the I have that venue for whenever I want. But right. It just sucks. It's more the e- principle of the thing. It's yes, yeah, the principles, all the run up to that day and all the build up. So I don't know. It 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 just would suck if everything around us started shutting down. No one's going to your art show. No one's going to go to your restaurant. Yeah. No one's going to do this. Everyone stays home. It's like, what the, f- what kind of weird dystopian future are we about to enter? I know. Well, it definitely is like the makings of some interesting sci-fi. Right? I like maybe some cool books will come out of this time. I know. Do, do you ever, do you ever see the movie Akira? Yes. Do, do you know, you know the premise with that? whole Yeah. Thing? <laughs> the, the, the Olympics were going to happen in Tokyo and they had to postpone in 2020. Yeah. It was like a predictor of what's going on now. I mean, similar to like Blade Runner takes place in November 2019 when like the sky is blacked out by fires. I mean. Oh, we had the wildfires, didn't we? Yeah. That's so crazy. They know. That's so crazy. For, but, pe- for people listening, the Akira premise of it was it was the future. It was 2020 in Japan. They're supposed to have the Olympics and a pandemic virus broke out and they didn't listen. The CDC warned them. They didn't listen in. Uh, I don't remember exactly how cause it's been so long, but the world ended up falling apart and taken over by this virus, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so basically that was a premise. And Among other complications, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I love some cyberpunk, sci-fi kind of stuff. I yeah. mean, Akira, Blade Runner, both the, the original and the new one I love. Mm. Um, but consume a lot of media like that. Yeah, it's interesting, but just thinking how on arts level, the first thing that always gets compromised when it comes to like, what are we going to do? It's just, I don't want to know how it's going to affect everyone. You know, it's like, yeah, because we're so dependent on a good economy that if the stock market goes down and the economy gets a little fuzzy and no one wants to go out to eat, no one wants to go to an art show and avoid public gatherings, it's like, damn. Yeah, but I guess then you just got to... I mean, I think it's one of those things where even if you, even if you have a personal turn, turn down, excuse me, um, you still need to be making the work because then whenever your personal... Uh, you know, performance picks back up or when culture picks back up, there's going to be such a want for it that like, if you were not making stuff during that time, then you're going to be like, ah, I don't have anything to show. Oh, like everyone spends the next like two months inside. Then all of a sudden, everyone's right. like, then oh, people the are like, I've got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like come May, people yeah. are going to be horned up and ready to like be in public. <laughs> Note to self, do something in May, unless we're just die dead. Like when the Akira movie, <laughs> I feel like May is a really good showtime in DC. Cause it's not horribly hot yet. Oh, May's uh, but, it, but it's really nice out. Hey, I'm already working on something for May, so I can't wait to see see uh, how that's going to turn out. But this is just this whole thing. I haven't li- we haven't lived through a pandemic like this yet, like a yeah. serious one yet. So I have no idea. You know, luckily enough, we're not living through like a world war, yeah, or anything crazy. Like that sounds fucking nuts. Yeah, that would be awful. <laughs> Can you imagine that, thinking about some bombing us. Oh, I can't imagine that fear. Yeah, I, and I'm a like huge pussy, so that wouldn't be. <laughs> And, and and if you think about it, we're in D.C. We're the first oh, to we'd die. be like targeted immediately. I, I think that would be like best case scenario. I'm not I don't know if you play video games, but oh, like, I do. OK, so I don't I wouldn't want to survive some sort of fallout situation. I would want to <laughs> die like immediately. Like just I'm not hardy enough to take on the wasteland. Yeah, just take me with the bomb and in the, the raid packs and stuff like that. Yeah, let me let me go first. So I will be baptized in the nuclear fire, dude. That's that's so crazy. To think that we're literally that person. It's like, oh, there's a nuke incoming. There's nothing we can do. It's a 50 mile radius. Everyone in DC right now is fucked. It's like, oh crap. I saw a movie about this like 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what would you if you if you suddenly got the alert? You're like, basically, you have two hours to live. What are you doing? I'm trying to have sex. Mm, uh, noise. Yeah. I mean, if I could get to my family, that'd be nice. Like, I guess I'd choose family over that, but it'd be a combination of like the girl I always want to hook up with, like shoot my shot then. Yeah. And then maybe spend my last moments with my family. Okay. And I, so I don't know how I could weasel both, but. <laughs> so you're like hugging your mom as the nuke's about to come in. You'd be like, mom, I just nutted. <laughs> I, I getting, and she's like, wait, Bruce, what? Kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be getting domed up by the girl of my dreams with my family in the room. <laughs> We're so proud of you, son. <laughs> yeah. Love you. Nah, dude, I don't. I have no idea. What would you do, dude? Um, so I have a. I wonder if like the highways would be crazy. Oh, of course, dude, you would be able to go anywhere. Oh, damn. Come on. I would maybe then like get on my motorcycle and just put it in neutral and just fucking rev it until the bomb hit. I think that would be kind of fun. Oh, so you got a motorcycle. So you're the cool guy who's like going down the side lane. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, eat shit. I, I have a lame person motorcycle, though. I have like a big uh, touring bike. I don't have like a cool looking cafe racer thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, cafe racer sounds sexy, but it's all right. Touring bike gets you there, too. Yeah, that's true. You know? And it's much more comfortable. Okay, I'll give you another one if I don't want that one. Okay. Just since you dropped it. Thank you. 
Yeah, I, that's a weird kind of situation, like a doomsday situation. I'm going to remember that question whenever I interview people in public this weekend. Yeah, I think that that would be kind of funny. Uh, like, So do you ever watch uh, the Eric Andre show? Uh, I've seen clips, but I'm not a huge fan. Okay, I'm like a super fan. Um, but like, especially his street stuff, you know, you could just be like, all right, what's up? Like, you get two hours to live. <laughs> like, the pandemic's coming to D.C. What are you doing? Dude, no, I've already planned. So me and my videographer on Saturday, we're going to go out. And we, we did the first one last weekend where I set up a table, like a small table, like half this size. And I have I put a sign in the front and I said, it says pop-up podcast, be my guest. And That's so, a really fun idea. Dude, it, I had so much fun. And so the premise of that one was I didn't know what I was going to ask people. So I just went on the internet and I, and I looked up questions you shouldn't ask people. And I asked those questions. Funny enough, they're all kind of like relationship and sex questions. Like, like you know, are, do you want kids? Why are you single? Which is when I, when I asked people why, why they were single, it, those were like really weird, deep responses. Like, oh, yeah. I be, but I think it's kind of like, especially in that context, I think people like a confessional. Yeah, um, like it got real. Like I, I kind of warmed him up too. I didn't just jump into sure. it. Sure, I warmed him up. What's your name? A little bit of small talk. So, how much time did you give each one? It just kind of filtered out until the energy was gone. It, 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 I think it was like between five to ten minutes each. And then, oh man, that's so awesome! And then, I think that that's a super cool idea. Yeah. So this weekend on Saturday, we're gonna pop up somewhere, and I'm gonna be asking people about coronavirus. Mm. And so I have a funny joke because I'm gonna be sharing the microphone. Like I don't. The point is, you don't give them the mic because that way you can control the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I, at some point, I'm just going to start fucking with people and I'm going to like cough. I'm like, <coughs> so I you could just be like, Ugh. I'm not going to actually lick your microphone, but like, <laughs> so I, I just have, it's going to be funny to just, just like find the doomsday prepper and then find the person who doesn't care, but then find that person who I can like know I can mess with and just kind of like cough around them and they'll be like, <gasps> <laughs> you, you should have a, uh, like a bucket of Coronas and be like, Hey, cheers. I'll drink to that <laughs> virus beer. What up? Yeah. Free Coronas and hand sanitizer. <laughs> I'd be like, it'd be my guest, free pumps of Purell. <laughs> hey, man, cheers. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, and then I'll chop that up and make it into like a really crazy YouTube viral video. Yeah, so I'm excited. I, I think the pop-up cop, that's really fun. That's a super fun premise. Dude, that's been such a fun way for me to just go out and activate the public uh, in a way that's that's not so deep like this. Like, Right. Uh, yeah, but it's still something where I bet you get a million people walking by like, oh, what is that? And you just be like, well, do you want to sit down and be my guest? Dude, so I was at Union Market. Oh, nice! The perfect spot where everyone's just wasting time. Yes, and we ended up getting kicked out after like after like two hours because they were like, "Uh, someone might trip over your wires." It was just bullshit. We, they they were they were nice, but they were just like, sure. Yeah, just get out of here, you know. Maybe they heard we were like <laughs> just antagonizing people. Renegade podcast. Yeah, right. But anyways, enough about me, man. Let's talk about you more. Okay. So, so you're back from the Japan trip, and I have returned. Yeah, and how's that feeling? Um, it's good. So I have a, I am, a, you know, like many folks, I have a day job. Um, so the funny thing is I am, this is the last week of my current day job. I'm starting another one in two weeks, Oh wow! but I've been doing it from home because they wanted me to not be in the office, like as a self quarantine. That's kind of lit. Um, it's not bad. I mean, I've been like doing some chores around the house, hanging out with my dog and going to the studio every day. Um, so I've been able to kind of like, I was a little bit worried about sort of losing momentum on the stuff that I made in Matsudo that I was really happy with. But knowing that I still, you know, these interviews that I mentioned kind of the second to last day, I didn't have time to start any of those paintings yet. So I've really been able to kind of flow right into mm. continuing to make that work. And then I'm going to have those, this may come out after that, um, but I'm going to have... Those up at this hole in the sky, nice. uh, which is a venue that I love. I had Mike on here. 
Oh yeah, he's he's amazing. Um, we actually had lunch today. Oh cool. Um, and um, they are doing a like hang whatever show, kind of in the spirit of like DC Art Center does this same kind of show every summer. Uh, they're having one at the end of March, so mm-hmm. I'm going to show these for the first time there. Ooh. Um, and then figure out how to pitch it elsewhere. You mean like do a bigger event or a bigger exhibition? Maybe, yeah, or like submit it as part of a group show. But I feel like as a body of work. Like a lot of my stuff is not very thematically consistent necessarily. Although there's some like icons that kind of pop up time and again. Whereas like this is kind of a complete collection that has a story all around it. And I could kind of tell you like each person that I did a painting of like something either in our conversation or that I observed and kind of like it's a little bit more personal to me, but hopefully like something that other people can attach to as well. Yeah. Imagine painting a portrait of someone is such an intimate thing. I mean, taking portraits of someone for photography, but I feel like painting when you're sitting there reflecting on them and all your experiences, it's a little deeper. Yeah. And it's hard to like, I mean, uh, I was talking with Mike today, like, you know, sometimes I like, I mean, uh, as people who've seen my work, like, you know, I'm far from perfect in any way, but like some of them I do feel bad where I like, you know, you can get kind of caricature with it where it's just like, oh, I didn't mean to make it seem like that person had like giant cheekbones or something. <laughs> and I look at it and I'm just like, I've kind of captured their essence more like in maybe their smile or like their eyes or kind of like the, you know, ridges in their forehead. But like, I feel bad about <laughs> how it might look. Um, that's what I enjoy about your work is that it doesn't feel that serious. Oh, thanks. Like, I it, mean, that's the intent. Certainly, like, like your your work has like a feel good, fun vibe. You know, it's not trying to be some super serious fine art. Like, no, uh, like it feels. Very it's very fun. much the opposite of that. Like yeah. by uh, design. Mm-hmm. Like you, when you look at it, you're. You're, you first kind of think that a kid paint this, but then you look at it more <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, no, like there's a lot of thought that went into this. Like it's, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. Yeah. I mean, I want it to be stuff where if you see it from across the room, you're like, oh, fuck, what's that? And like really like... It definitely like, pops. Yeah. And that, that's definitely uh, 100% intentional all the time. Um, but I, yeah, I want it to be simple. I want it to be kind of like easy to understand. Um, and I want it to be fun. Like I think that... Sometimes, especially around here, I think more so like the, and I think in some other art scenes too, it's not just unique to ours, but I think that the fun factor can be lacking or, or also is not the intent of some people, which is also fine. If that is, Mm -hmm. you know, you're like, I'm not here to have fun. Like I'm here to like work through some very deep trauma. That is a totally valid reason to pursue Of course, whatever. That's just not what I am doing. Um, and I want it to be fun. And I think like there needs to be space for it to be fun and for it to be funny and to be kind of dumb and to be obvious. Like I'm not I'm not ever trying to deal in subtlety. So if somebody <laughs> doesn't if somebody doesn't get it, then that sucks for me. Like because them getting it and hating it is still them understanding it and they're just like, oh fuck this. <laughs> you know, which that's fine. Kind of like you and Trap Op were talking about. Like if somebody sees it and they hate for my own work, if they see it and they hate it. I would rather they that than they see it and are like it's okay. Yeah, like that would hurt me so much more. Like a positive or a negative reaction is so much better than just a mad reaction. Oh, uh, the like, mad reaction just like makes me like that. I, w- I will like think about that for far too long. Yeah, somebody has a middling reaction yeah. to something that I do. Especially, did you do a Guy Fieri piece? Mm-hmm. I, I I remember. So I, that was one that I made in Slovenia, actually. Oh no way! Um, and many of the Slovenian folks, I guess maybe it's shown on cable TV or whatever, like <laughs> they knew got him. That oh yeah, oh, my like God. Uh, they they. They were 
like, oh, yeah, Guy Fieri, whatever. But uh, that one sold uh, pretty quickly after that. Wow, congrats. That's awesome. Uh, Thanks. For people listening, your style is very bold, bright colors, very cartoony, very thick paints, very shiny. Yes. So I always use like a varnish spray. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I was uh, raw dogging it with no face mask at all. And then my uh, sense of smell started to degrade horribly. (laughs) And so a friend who uh, was like the manager at a, like uh, some sort of a plant, he gifted me for Christmas one year, like a very serious, like breathing mask with filters. And he gave me like a box to like last through the apocalypse. Um, So shout out to Justin. Damn, you're ahead of the game right now. (laughs) I know. Well, it ended up working out great for me now. Yeah, you Um, you could resell that thing for four (laughs) times the value. No way, man. I'm holding on to that. (laughs) I'm going to be perched with that on with a sniper rifle on top of my studio. Yeah, you're going to be painting outside with the freaking gas mask on. Just (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, Pay with my blood. Yeah, Um, right. When you can't can't go to Blick no more because everyone's scared of (laughs) getting killed. Uh, Blood's not bright enough, I'm afraid. But um, (laughs) I just need to hoard all the gouache and... uh, bright acrylics is that what you use is, is the bright acrylics that give it that such that thick pop because it looks like the paint you use is just so thick yeah i do use a lot of thick paint what i try to do i mean like the specific brands that i like even though it's a giant company like the blick acrylic like their series three and four you really can't beat it and specifically mm-hmm. with the excuse me chemical cadmium in it which is like incredibly carcinogenic if you have a weak immune system or if you're like preg- <laughs> pregnant or nursing. Wow, um, bad for you. So don't don't eat it. But it just makes stuff so bright and vibrant. Mm. Um, so I like that. I like a lot of kind of like neony gouache colors. Um, and just any of those sort of like like a gold or silver that kind of stuff. I really like Ooh, working with. Good. Although I forgot to bring my gold and silver to Matsudo. And kind of like having that that weapon taken away from me. Oh yeah, uh, it was kind of a good challenge to just have to work with. Like having that that one arm tied behind my back uh, worked really well to sort of push me to not always use that as like a crutch mm. f- to make something kind of like. Uh, I, I think it's like it's very eye catching, but it's just like you can go overboard real quick. Have you gotten a lot of reactions to your work that you know about? Like, have you seen the spectrum um, on that or anything? Not really. I mean, like. In a like large group show situation, you know, watching people react to it, I think that a, a challenge and frustration that I have is I think like a lot of people see me and they see my work and they'd be like, "You didn't do that," you know. I can see that though. Oh yeah, big time. I mean, it, it's hard. Um, whereas, like, I used to be a performer, and now with my event company, I do some performance stuff where it's like my personality fits that like very easily and people would recognize it. But just like there's very much a disconnect for a lot of people uh, between my work and then, you know, I look like a boring ass white guy who probably listens to shitty boring music <laughs> and maybe back. I, yeah, maybe I listen to Nickelback. Uh, they seem like nice guys. Um, <laughs> and like I probably am a consultant or some dumb bullshit like that where it's just like, I th- and I, I don't know. I need to figure out a better way to maybe have more fun with that or just let it go. But I think one of my, I, I try to write out goals every year. Oh, nice. Uh, and I think you've talked a little bit about that on your show with different people. Yeah. And they're not always like checkboxy kind of stuff. Sometimes it's like try to do blah, blah. But one that I really have for 2020 is mm-hmm. just like try to associate my face with my work more. Mm. So like on my website, have my face 
you know, front and center and try to do more like Instagram posts with my face on it and my work just to kind of really like cement that connection a little more. You mean so it's more like you're more of the brand, I guess? So you're more obvious to the public eye? Yeah, where it's like, I think all of the, if you saw like 10 of my paintings in a room, you'd be like, that all fits together. Yeah, of course. But if you saw 10 of my paintings in me, just like raw right there, you'd be like, no, you didn't do that shit. Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) what are you going to do? Like start wearing bright, bold colors and dye your hair? It's like, it's just like, it's how you express yourself. Exactly. And I think that there is a little bit of like, an artist is supposed to look like, I mean, maybe more like you. Like you have like cool long hair, you've got cool tattoos. And I mean, listen, you're very handsome, man. I'm not hating on it. Thank you. But I just mean more like artists all look different ways. But I think it's just like, television and movies make you think that you need to be like a cool transgressive like 2020 beatnik in order to like make any kind of work of any value what do you, you mean there's, there's nothing inside you that wants to like put on some jeans that have tons of layers of, of gouache on them or like <laughs> wear the the bad brain shirt with holes in it and then, and then put some put some docks on Grow the, grow the hair out a little bit, grow the beard out. You look like you could grow a fierce beard. I can grow a fierce beard. Uh, it's really the maintenance that gets hard. I really want... So I had long hair like yours in college. Yeah, and you got a good head of hair too, man. What, I are, you good, what are you doing? Locks. What are you doing messing around with short hair? <laughs> I mean, listen, maybe you're going to talk me into it again. I mean, I'm saying, look, on a spectrum of dudes, if you have a full head of hair at this age, you might as well at least yeah. grow it out. You know but, what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm 33. I think like... Oh, yeah, you're good. You ain't going nowhere with that. Yeah, I feel like past 40, my good hair days will be behind me, but maybe I need to just let it rip. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, but you also got the job, so it's like you have to be conscious of that too. Sure, that's true. Although I feel like like in my current... Gen- I've worked in like nonprofit, like do-gooder kind of spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think as long as it's like relatively neat, it's fine. Like I work with a colleague now who had like a killer, very cool looking ponytail, like male ponytail for a long time. And he's just, he rocked it. Like that was him. But at the same time, maybe there's a lot of coolness in the fact that you are so opposite of what people might, might assume. It's like, you look like a finance analyst, but then, (laughs) but then, but then it's like, you have this amazing, like bold, bright work. That's so cool. and, And like great to look at. So it's like, maybe that contrast is what it makes you, you. Yeah. I mean, I do definitely have, an impulse for good or for bad where I love the idea of people walking into a room and seeing my work and being like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> um, and I think that that really came out the most at the Funland show last year where dude, it was I'm like... I'm so mad I missed that, too. You did it for one night and I was I was like... <sighs> I had I was like the one night I had like an event gig. I was like... Yeah. It, it was uh, a constraint of hole in the sky. Mm. Um, but people walked into that and like, I mean, something that... I am good, pretty good at his marketing. So like we got over 300 people there for one night. That's really impressive. And, by pe- the way. and people were, didn't really know what they were getting into. And they walked in and they were like, holy shit, like what the fuck is this? And that is like the best feeling in the world, especially, you know, you're, you're doing events, you're kind of like winding up the top and then you're just like, I don't know which way it's going to go. And to see it go how you hoped and probably better than you hoped is an amazing feeling. And just watching, watching other people interact with, games and uh different like so what was the concept with the funland show yeah so the kind of overall premise uh was i was very frustrated with the art scene and it was meant to be very like a satire Mm. of my experience so far in general um what about it were you frustrated about 
Um, I think just kind of like lack of access slash, I think kind of a gatekeeping that tends to bend more towards the MFA set, um, which I think is true. Um, and I think kind of a, kind of like we were just talking about like the, the need for it to seem like you need to fill into this, uh, like tortured artist archetype. Yeah. It's so Um, true. And for people who just want to do nothing but like worship the past and be like, you know, ah, oh, like, like losing their minds over Frida Kahlo or whatever. It's like <laughs> Frida would have hated you, white people, myself <laughs> included. Like she was a communist, like hardcore. Like by the end of her life, she was super crippled and like very committed to the shit she was making till the very end. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But yeah, she would have hated people like me, rightfully. Um, <laughs> And, um, or like, you know, I think a lot of hero worship of like Andy Warhol, who's amazing, but like near the end of his life was unable to get a show anywhere, you know, like, wow, really? Yeah. So like he had kind of glommed onto Basquiat. Yeah. I, mer- I know. Kind that. of as his star was fading, Basquiat was on the rise and they kind of worked together for a while. And then, you know, Andy was in the terrible car crash, but like his career was kind of in the toilet at that point. Damn. That's wild. I, I, I never thought. You know, because I've seen a lot of documentaries about that era, you know, and, and they never kind of play it as that like his career was on a downplay. They always play it as him and Basquiat became just best right. friends. Bosom buddies. I think that the Jeffrey Wright Basquiat movie does it pretty well, mm. uh, where David Bowie plays Warhol really well. Ooh, I haven't seen that one. It's great. I think it's on Amazon Prime. Okay, I'm going to check that one. Ooh, I got that too. Yeah. Holy shit. Watch that. Um, but but anyway, I think that the satire part got a little lost in Funland, which is okay. But so I originally I pitched it. I had this idea where I was like, what if we made it kind of like a carnival and it's exploring all these things that I find to be kind of frustrating. And, um, and I was kind of like, ah, man, I'm a little bit out of my depth. So my friend, Sean and Melanie, Sean is a longtime improviser at Washington improv theater. Melanie has done a lot of stage acting, stage directing. Mm. And so I went to them and I was like, and they both had a background in immersive theater. So where you would go to a theatrical production and it's not like Tony and Tina's wedding or some shit like that, or like a dinner theater where like, hey, Bruce, like we're all in sweating. <laughs> it would be like, before you know it, you're kind of part of the show uh, because they keep making little offers to you. It's kind of like, you know, you're boiling the toad and you're not going to turn the heat up all the way first. You just keep making these little increments. And by the end of it, you're like, oh man, I'm like, maybe I'm an introvert, but I'm participating in this is crazy. So I went to them with the idea and they really helped make it better. And uh, so even though it was a solo show, it really became first the three of us kind of working it out. They had all the connections to the actors who were part of it. Um, and then near the end, we added like a basically a stage manager or somebody to like get all the finer points right. And that's my friend Ellis, who also was with them in this theater company. She has a lot of like theater management experience. So it was really the four of us taking this thing on. And it was so much like I kind of hate have hated art by committee in the past. Like it's I don't like having my creative decisions second guessed. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of sucks. But these three who, you know, we're now still making shows together are really great because if they're critiquing something, it's like it's not fun enough or people are not going to like it enough. And that's the kind of stuff that made me excited um, to work on it. So the attractions that we had as you came in, we had like a kind of basically an Instagram photo stop first where it was the your payment is exposure. Got it. Photo Gotta booth. have that. <laughs> Gotta have that. Hey, baby. <laughs> Starting the tropes off right. So it was a free show. Uh, it was $10. Okay, that's worth it. Yeah, 
Um, I think it was more that like, you know, if we did it in another venue, I think we could have charged 20 and made it BYOB and it still would have been a very good value for no, people. No, you deserved a payment for that show. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really all, I mean, I made no money from it, but we were able to pay our actors. There we go. Um, and pay for all the set stuff. Uh, and we did get a grant from the Awesome Foundation, too. So shout out to them. Oh, that's awesome. Congrats, man. They were great. I and mean, they were so, so supportive. But so we had that. Uh, we had a game called The Duck Game where the kind of premise from a satire perspective was sort of like, you know, as an artist, you are more or less like rolling the dice on success. So it was a game uh, made by this woman or the host was this woman, Nina. And basically she would be mean to you. So you had maybe like a <laughs> one in 50 chance of winning an amazing prize. And so we had real prizes. We had like liquor. Uh, we had $50 in cash. Oh, no but way. like you might just lose. And then by the end of the night, she had ratcheted it up where she was making people take their shirts off. <laughs> what a she, great actor. What a performer. It was, she was awesome. And then we had uh, some fortune tellers who were your disappointed parents. <laughs> Um, so as this woman, Laura Barber and Matt Winterhalter, they had like grayed up their hair and they were, so basically like no matter what you told them, they were going to be disappointed in your choices. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, then we had probably my, the, the first idea that I had was the inner demons shooting gallery. So we had a BB gun and we made like basically a little gun turret inside of hole in the sky. But while you're waiting in line, you made your, because I think that there's so much this trope of like, oh, I'm working through my pain. So people on little, you know, pieces of like newsprint made their inner demon. Mm. And then the, we had made like a clip and pulley system so that it went like, you know, 10 feet down. Like an actual and, gun range. And then you have a BB gun and you could just like blast it up. That's so cool. And people loved it. I mean, we really... We had to workshop that one so hard because, quite honestly, I was so worried about some stupid drunk person going, like, taking the gun and pointing it True. out there. But honestly, like, you know, I think that one thing that is good about a DC crowd is people are pretty cautious. And we were trying to, like, we had safety regulations, like, up as, you know, when people went in, like, if you're being unsafe, you're going to be kicked out. Thankfully, no one did. But, like, we kind of mm -hmm. had that in there and people just had fun with it. And then... The final one is we had four actors playing uh, like, you know, uh, ghosts of artists past. So we had a Frida, we had an Andy Warhol and um, then we had Scott and Ella Fitzgerald for the writers in the, in the house. <laughs> Dude, this and is then, so amazing. But their main premise was, so they were just interacting with people and then every hour they would do a little monologue, but it was aimed because at hole in the sky, there's only one bathroom. True. And so that, that line can kind of snake up. So they specifically were doing their performance for people in line waiting for the bathroom. That's genius. <laughs> Dude, this sounds so like, it sounds like a next level awesome experience that is, like defies your conventional art show. Yeah, very much so. So then, um, oh, and uh, one other thing I forgot, we had Milk Cult, they were doing uh, funnel cakes in the mm. kitchen there. Um, so basically I called in every single favor. So that how, did, how did your art integrate into all of this? So I made some paintings um, that kind of reflected some of the stuff in the space. I would say that is that and the satire did not really work for it mm. necessarily. Uh, like it kind of obfuscated the purpose. But what really worked was the event. So, like, we were so blown away by the turnout. I mean, like, you know, it technically ended at 11. Our actors held on until 1130 so that nice. people who came late could play everything. And then finally, I was like, listen, guys, like, we got to, like, cut it. Everybody go home. And so then cut to the next day. We're all, like, disassembling the show. 
And I was like, I kind of have some other ideas off of this. And so Sean, Melanie, and Ellis were like, cool. Well, this was super fun. Like, I want to do more. So, excuse me. Now the four of us have a company, which is Funland Productions. So cool. We're, we're paying taxes. We're, we're legit and legal. Fuck. Yeah, um, hell yeah. Dude, I mean, I hope you keep doing it. I hope you do it for more than one night in a weekend because that sounds like so fun. It's such a different offering to what the DC scene is used to, to what yes. people are used to. Like, it, it sounds like an experience with art. I, I mean, it's like a fine line where the experience starts to eclipse the art, but I'm sure you'll figure that out. But regardless, it's like it's a new thing that is not just white walls, galleries from five to nine. It's exactly it's, it's, it's something different than just going to a club and a bar, which is something that I think is really important, too. Yeah. So so we did the next show or the the one we did right before I went to Japan was this Valentine's Day horror, uh, which we did in conjunction with Port City Brewing in Alexandria. So that was more like a we took over this like kind of small. I mean, it's not much bigger than the room we're recording in this upstairs bar. So we had Laura, our actress, come back and she played Demonic Cupid. And all <laughs> night she was giving people like bad love advice. That's hilarious. And the bartenders dressed up and we kind of themed up the room otherwise. So that one was a little bit different in kind. Uh, but it was a good way to kind of test out some other game ideas and stuff like that. And so for that one, like I did a lot of design of like the environments. And I mm. frankly, I mean, I use a lot of insulation foam because it's good because it takes up space, but it's not unlike wood or something like that. It's pretty durable, but it's not uh, super heavy to lug around. And you can kind of theme out a room really nicely with that. Are you worried that the events start to eclipse the art? It's like the art component. Or are you not worried about that? Where, where it, all of a sudden you're just doing this thing where you're just creating a fun event. Yeah, I, I'm not really worried about it. I mean, if there was some universe where we become wildly successful with Funland Productions and my personal art practice is just more like when I can, mm-hmm. I would be okay with that. Like, yeah, events are so fun. They really are. Um, yeah, I mean, personally, I've been enjoying seeing you doing these events and being envious. That I, could, I mean, the Valentine's Day one, I honestly stayed home and got really big. So I was like, I'm fucking single. I'm not going <laughs> Also, like tracking out to Alexandria, kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah, that was kind of far too. But, but we were able to get those folks who don't have an opportunity for stuff like this Which often. is so awesome. And what we're trying to get is the, for lack of a better term, the normies. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to get although I'd love it if they come, people who are, they're not picking a Funland production show over a White Walls gallery show. The people who are coming to us are, are going to go to a bar or concert otherwise, but are like, oh, what's this weird thing? Like, we are trying to be more than like the pop-up bars on Inshaw, mm. which are not close, but, um, you know, something a little bit more elaborate than that, but something that is not, it's not theater either because we want you, the person coming to interact yeah. with it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. It's it's kind of theater because there is the whole performance piece. On and we do end. have actors. Yeah, and you have people come and get involved, but that's why it's fun because it's like you break them out of the shell that people are in when they go to events of just being so reserved and not interacting. I feel like having Demonic Cupid kind of like loosen you up by them being so extra. All yeah. of a sudden, you had an amazing night where you kind of got out of your body and just didn't worry about it anymore. Exactly, and we really want people to be comfortable, and we spend a lot of time talking through and gaming out Basically, it's like the extroverts. I'm not worried about them, yeah. but I want like we try to game out the the introvert, the person mm-hmm. who just wants to try to fuck with the performers, which does happen. And like, thankfully, our performers are like very wise to that, and they're just like can counter it every little way. Um, but there's a lot you have to think about, and like there is to make it. And again, like to the point of trying to just literally make it as fun as possible, because what we're trying to foster is like 
<laughs> I mean, for lack of a better term, adult play and, and oh, not a not a lubed up BDSM club adult play. <laughs> yeah. But just like there's not a lot of opportunities. Let's say you're run of the mill person. You go to work. You might have wife and children or other responsibilities. Where's your time for play? You know, if you don't, you might belong to like a rec sports league or something like that. But where else are you going to go? And somebody is just going to be kind of silly and you're going to do stuff that is totally different than what you would normally do. Yeah, especially in a city like this where everyone can just be so uptight and in their own yes. worlds of, you know, and you can and you can relate because you are somewhat toes in that world of where yeah. it's like you go home, go home, watch movies, go sleep, whatever it is, 9 to 5 life. But everyone wants to have fun on the weekends. And, yeah. and some people just don't know how to have fun. So by even offering this fun event that's different, than what everyone else is doing, which is it's like it's like a huge reason why I respect you doing this because oh, even even if your personal like it's not your own gallery anymore, it's still something like cool that's satisfying because other people find satisfaction in it. Yes, and that is like what I really get out of it is I love seeing people surprised mm-hmm. and excited. And I think like here's the thing: people do like being fucked with a little bit as long as the kind of contours and rules are clear. Yeah. You know, so it's like I could make, you know, if you came into this situation where I'm an actor, like I could make fun of you a little bit, but it's not personal. You know what I mean? I'm not like, uh, you know, like you're dismissive. I'd be like, oh, you're, you're like, your shirt's dumb or whatever. And you're just like, hey, that's good. Like, no, you know, like you probably don't have people in your life, I would hope, who like mock you relentlessly. Yeah. But like escaping to somewhere where that happens for an hour and not that that's every single aspect of our show. That's yeah. just an example. You know, it's kind of fun and different. No, and I and I think that's really cool. I, I can't wait to see like you take that idea to a different level, like we're at the Cheshire or something, where like more than a hundred, like hundreds of people can join at a at a time, and you have yeah. so many different moving parts. Like that's just that to me takes on a whole different level and breed of event production. Most definitely, because like in in a way, like in I in a concept like that could be, almost be traveling to where you could take that to like different city, different town, or whatever yeah. it might be, and pop up. We've talked about that in a kind of like pie in the sky way and all of the sets and stuff we have in storage. So, Oh, cool. Excuse me. So it's not like in the garbage somewhere. Mm. Um, but we're thinking about that. I kind of love the idea of now, like I would do like Funland itself again, probably, Should but I would maybe again. call it like super fun land or something like that. And we could juice it up a little further. I do love the idea at this moment of kind of like each show is a totally different blank slate. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're kind of working out what the next one's going to be. Maybe something that's a little bit more like we've just been trying to toy with and figure it out on a scale that would work more of a like think about Westworld type concept where the way it would work is you come back. Let's say it runs for a month and like, you know, every weekend it's a different arc of the story. But if you come back multiple times, you're more and more a part of it if you want to be interesting. Huh. I, I, I can't imagine how that works. We're working on it. I, I, like, lightly, I can say it's a cult theme. So it'd be like mm-hmm. the first time you come, you're inducted. And the second time you come, it'd be like, oh, Brother Bruce, welcome. So, like, so lovely <laughs> to see you again. And then the th- if you come a third time, you should know the ritual at that point, And you're now inducting well, new people. You were in drama in high school. Oh, you? big time. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. It, <laughs> the, the, campy, the, the campy vibes are so strong. Oh, yeah. The, 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 the smell the, them a mile away. Yeah, the performance, the performance art here. I'm like, mm, well, I know so, your kind. Before I was a visual artist, I did improv and I also had a stage, basically like the Tonight Show, but just on stage at DC Art Center. Oh, no way. And other stages around DC um, where we had like 
a writer's room and we came up with an original hour long show uh, every month. And we had musical guests and stuff like that. This is like 2012, 2013. Um, and it was a lot of work. And it, we called it the Charlie Viscano Show. You can Google it. Uh, all the, a lot of the old episodes are on YouTube, not every single one. Yeah. Um, but that's really like that started. And then when that ended, I kind of was getting more into visual art. And now with the Funland stuff, it's kind of like the next logical step of both of those coming back around together. Yeah. It's like as people, we just evolve into what our interests lead us to. Yeah, very much so. You, know? you hope anyway. Yeah, you know, I, I, I don't. I would hate to be stuck as a photographer forever. You mm-hmm. know, but it, it, it oozes into whatever you do. Like it just kind of resonates to whatever next interest you have. Right. Well, and I think I would guess then for you, maybe that's like you have a very strong visual aesthetic. Like, you know, that is how you see the world and in general. So it's like okay, through the lens of my eye, what am I looking at here in this room? And then how can I decorate it or light it to make it more aesthetically appealing to what's in your mind? Mm-hmm. And, and, it res- and the same thing comes through with you in your events because your style of art co- shines through with like the marketing and the promotions mm-hmm. and, and the overall aesthetic of these events, which makes sense to these sort of like fair vibes where it's like come and enjoy fun, bright colors, really yeah. cool things to pull you in. Yeah, you're going to play some games. You're going to meet some weirdos and, you know, drink a little bit and have a good time ultimately. But that's why I think it's cool because since we've known each other is you've evolved into an event producer and I somehow have as well to where now we're doing things where we've started excluding our own art from the events, which is like, it's how it starts where you're like, let me do this for myself and let me do this for other people. And then you're like, let me just do this for everyone else instead of myself. And I, and I think that's, what's really remarkable about you and Mike and people like that is because we're we're offering new things to our city. Like we're that change that we wanted to see. Most definitely. And it was so fun to go back to Mike to work with him and his uh, longtime girlfriend, Rachel Wallach, who's an artist in her own right, mm-hmm. um, to work with the two of them on the Lowbrow Invitational show. Oh my God, dude, that, that, that show was Cheshire. incredible, dude. I got a big up to you for that. That show was incredible. Thank you. And I had to give most of the credit to them. I think like I my main strength on that was marketing the shit out of it. But like they had such a great, strong aesthetic sense of kind of like looking into the Cheshire and having that predator vision of like, this is going to go here. This is going to go there. And you know, like I trust that their vision completely. And I think that that really helped like something that Mike is good at is kind of like he can imagine the flow of people through the room in such a way that it just makes it make sense more than other people. Yeah. He's Um, so keen on that. When I had him on the show, we were, we got real nitty gritty on like, events and, and, and how to set up an event and stuff because most people don't think about that, but I love to think about that. Like when someone walks in, which way are they going to walk? What's the best way for them to experience this? Should they be closer to the bar? Should they be closer to the merch table? Like how's the flow? How's this and that? Yeah. And uh, he's just somebody who really, it's inspiring the way that he thinks about the details. Yeah. Um, and to be like, and that's not always my strength, but I think like being around somebody like that, you're just like, oh man, I should be thinking about that. Absolutely should. Dude, Lowbrow was my favorite art show last year. Oh, thank you. Like it, hands down, it was it was the it was the best produced show, and the quality of art was amazing, and the theme was the best too. Like finally, something that's not normal. Yes, it was so fun. I mean, every single piece in there is like the kind of shit that I want to see when I go to yeah, an art show. You know, um, that makes you feel something. Yeah, and then the one night that I um, kind of took the reins on a little bit is we had a bunch of motorcycles come. So like, 
I, I wish I was a little bit more connected in the hashtag DC Moto scene. It's just like I can only have so much time on so many things. Of course, dude. Uh, but we partnered with Don Lewis, the great shop over in Ivy City, and they brought their people. And we had like seven or eight custom bikes, Whoa. sort of like lowbrow bikes, where it was like they might look a little shitty, but actually they run amazing. All the owners and builders came to, and it was just like a super fun, completely different audience who would be probably turned off by like a traditional gallery art show, but they come and shoot, see the Lobra stuff and they're like, oh, I get it. It's fun. It's funny. Like, and we're looking at these cool bikes. Like the, the owners are getting a chance to show them off, you know, in a like chill setting. And thankfully that big dock door will is wide enough to let them all in. Yeah. I, like, missed, I missed that part of the show because I saw it and I was like, oh, I already saw the show. Yeah. But I kind of wish I would have went. But Excuse dude, me. how the... The thing that comes to my mind with Lobro, about the Lobro exhibition was you got a lot of people out. How the hell did you get so many people to that show? Because <laughs> you marketed it. How the frig did you get so many? Like, I remember I, I, I was there making a YouTube video out of it, which got a lot of views. Oh, sure, nice. Shout out to you for that. Um, I think I was extremely intoxicated when you spoke to me. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It didn't really make the cut anyways. It's okay. Good. <laughs> uh, and I was like, dude, there's at least 300 people right here. And the only thing I could think of was like, we all paid 10 bucks to be here. I was like, these guys are getting their money back. Fuck it. Dude, how'd you get so many people in that place? What was your strategy? With sure. That? I'll spill all my secrets. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. There are so many online community calendars that are completely free to post in. So I start by Googling Bethesda, Bethesda community calendar, Silver Spring community calendar. Think about every little uh, area in the DMV mm-hmm. and think about, again, like we were saying, people who want to do cool shit on a weekend. And really, the Cheshire is such a unique venue it in that is it is beautiful. Northwest DC, Adams Morgan, baby. Like, <sighs> could you get any better than that? It doesn't get any better. Down, down an alleyway, too, which is even cooler. Right, exactly. You're kind of going through this like secret, secret big old tunnel to get yeah. there. Like, it is really perfect in so many ways. So it's like, you've already got a great location big ass place in Northwest. There's not a lot like that for the art scene. So like that helps it to begin with. Um, but as you know, shows do not sell themselves. So it was, you know, coming up, coming up with Mike and Rachel with like, what are we going to say about the show? Like what is our kind of two or three sentence log line making the Facebook event? I'm definitely buying very targeted Facebook ads mm. where targeting to age, uh, you know, men and women, but like interest level. And I went really broad with it. Um, excuse me. So like you can spend money on that. We did spend money on Instagram ads, but then we also did these community calendars, the Washington DC subreddit every Wednesday, they do a thing where it's like, feel free to pimp out and post your own events. So like I did that like crazy and a lot of Reddit people show up. That's a hack right there. Reddit is a hack y'all. Don't Um, worry. I'll share secrets too after you're done. Okay. Um, and I used that as well for the Valentine's Day show. And I was able to track that better because we used Eventbrite. And so we did a bunch of different promo codes. So like I did a Reddit-specific promo code. I did an Instagram-specific promo code. Um, and so BYT also ha- offers like a paid $10 listing in their newsletter. That's all it is? Yeah. I do that all the time. That's the biggest one. That's They're, like, they are amazing. Shout was, out to add That BYT. was going to be like my secret is because for some reason, the event that I do with Henry is it got picked up by BYT organically. Yeah. And not, not, 50% of people I talked to that I didn't know there, they were like BYT. Yeah. They, they are great. So they've been great. 730 DC also. Yep, you can submit one. events to them and they will publish it like the weekend before it happens. So um, I think it's just trying to like 
in your imagination, exhaust every single opportunity. The Reddit one was the good one because there's a there's a lot of people on Reddit. Like when I see, when I see people on their phones, they're either on Instagram or on Reddit. Yeah, most definitely. And and so like for the Valentine's Day show, you know, there's R Nova. I mean, it's mostly people complaining about bad drivers. So if you are in kind of a niche location, find the subreddit and post in there. And you oh, know, like genius. again, the DC one is a little bit more uh, like managed. But again, they do offer these posts, like you know, hey, the weekend's coming up. And then I also posted in our Baltimore because listen, Baltimore people are fucking cool, yeah, and they yeah. want to do cool shit. And a couple of them did come down. So oh, like, yeah, I noticed that too. A lot of people from Baltimore do come down here for events. Yeah. Um, so I think it's that kind of stuff. Like certainly paid reach is important, but just finding, think about like every random thing and also think, think a little broader than just your own age range. Like I want, I want all ages to come. I want all ages to have fun. Mm. And so it's like, cool, I'm going to do this Bethesda magazine community calendar, <laughs> uh, you know, or like, you know, you can post events on Washington Post's website. You can post them on city paper website, stuff like that. People read those. Cause again, they are the people who, you know, maybe I don't know how to have fun, but I can look at Washington City Paper. They're cool. Yeah. And they're going to pick up stuff that is cool it's, to go to. Yeah, it's like the places where people find their events for the weekend. You know, like I'm, I'm two weeks, I'm, I'm three weeks out from my show. Yeah. So next Monday is two weeks out. And that's when it, that's when the marketing gets serious. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, you know how this game works. Like three weeks out, it's like still soft. Two weeks out, you're going ham. Yeah. Week out, and I feel anxious the hard. whole time. Yeah. <laughs> You're like you're like refreshing your Eventbrite. You're, yeah, I need to see that shit tick up. I mean, I looked at it all the time, I, and I think the other the other thing outside of places to push it is you need good branding. I mean, you need like something that looks compelling, something that's coherent, um, something that is eye catching, and something that does. You don't want it to be like a bait and switch from like you want it to be the mood of your thing. Yeah, of course. Um, and to have it all kind of match up, and it's not rocket science, but like. Uh, as visual as I am, I'm not a great graphic designer. So like, thankfully on like my Funland team, like Melanie also happens to be that I have some other friends who are, so like those are people I lean on. And I think trying to just be more, uh, aware of like that, which I cannot do. And then trying to reach out to friends and, you know, compensate them also. Cause I oh, want to value course. their time. Um, but getting the branding tight is really important too. Yeah, no, I, I definitely pay for every flyer. I got a homie, he's a good friend. I pay him some money to do the flyers. They look great, professional every time. Yeah. I think for, for my marketing, when I've, what I've been doing that works was the BYT thing works. I'm yes. going to pay for that shit now. Absolutely. To the, guarantee it. $10, man. It's so good. $10, that's one ticket. Yeah. You know, so a BYT, the 7.30 pickup, the mailing list was, was perfect. Uh, just going around to the local businesses around the Cheshire in the area and just, just, Hey, can I put this flyer up? Oh yeah, sure. Boom. Putting it up. That was a big pull. Yeah. That's a good one. Oh, another hack uh, that you could do that I stole this from a DC comedian is local hotels, taking some flyers to the hotels and handing them to the front desk person and be like, Ooh. Hey, if somebody is asking you what's going on this weekend, would you mind giving them this? Like the line is right there. I mean, hello. oh, the line. Yeah. And that's a kind of like a hip spot where it's like, Oh, what's going on? Oh yeah. Here you go. This, this, this artist right. is doing this. And thing. like, you know, uh, you seem like somebody who is not going to be turned off by somebody telling, you no. the worst thing they could tell you is no, knows, whatever. Yeah. No, the worst case scenario. I'm yeah. not worried about that. No, it's great. Then I can move on. Yeah. I can <laughs> move on to the next. Yeah. You know? And there's plenty of other hotels. There's Capitol Hilton. I mean, there's all kinds of other stuff where you could just walk up to the front desk and be like, listen, I've got like this event going on. It's going to be cool. You know, sell it a little bit, certainly. Hand them off and then move on. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. That's so good. Yeah. The one thing that I've been trying to like make my thing 
with these art shows is the affordability aspect. Mm. And that's been really working. Like the theory was tested with Henry and he kind of showed me this. And this guy was crazy. Henry's an awesome guy. He's super adventurous and he, you know, he sold everything at that show for 1999. It was an Ikea theme, which was really well done. Yeah. He sold everything. That's awesome. And it told me that people want to buy art at when it's affordable, especially original art. Now, not every artist can do that because right. they have to worry about their market value and stuff like that. But you can change that a little bit, whether it's prints or whatever it is. Well, yeah. And I know you and Sarah were talking about kind of having a thing at every price point. Yeah. Like I do. So I will make a lot of like little postcards. Excuse me. And I'll put them in like a clear bag with a business card in the back and sell that for $10 mm. at a show. Because it's like maybe they don't want to spend. I mean, my stuff is not crazy expensive, but like somebody, you know, getting somebody to spend a hundred bucks is like nice, but not always expected. But ten or twenty, you know, that that's easy, and they get to walk home with the thing. Like, and you know, it's fun, and it reminds them of it. And you got the business card in there, so like, hey, maybe you want something else? Send me an email. Like, yeah, yeah it's like if the you know the event's good, but it's getting the people out and getting the awareness out. Yes. You know, it's like you're just trying to build that brand, build that mailing list, and that's so important. Absolutely, yeah. Oof, yeah. I mean, after the show, if there's any way I could, I could like do a mailing list exchange, just let me know. I've, sure. I've got, like, I've got a good amount of mailing lists. I'm surprised. I didn't know that feature until I did a show, and I was like, oh, wait, I can get all these from Eventbrite? Yeah, like, Eventbrite oh. is pretty great. I was like, I oh, I got say. 500 people here. <laughs> what was I doing? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I fucked up. And being able to send emails through their system as well is really good. Mm, oh, I haven't tried that. I always use just MailChimp or something. Doing them through Eventbrite is good because it just will take people directly to your thing. Mm, that's the hack. That's the hack. And you can have it uh, match your existing branding too. Mm. Yeah, but that being said, I'm looking higher than things, it's like there aren't many people in the city putting on awesome shows. Like I, I can identify a few people, Fun Lane Productions, the little things I'm doing. Uh, the No Kings guys, which they operate at like a crazy high level. Yeah, I mean they're they're you know exponentially above certainly what I personally am doing. Yeah, yeah, they've done it. They've been doing this shit with crazy big brands for a long time. But then Hen House has been popping up. Yeah, and well, their and so I think cool. Kate is a spinoff, or I mean Kate is part of um, No Kings as well. Kate Campania, who does that. Oh, so she went and did Hen House. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, I've just been to the one, but like, yeah, those have been insanely successful. Yeah, and similar kind of like fun setup. Really great stuff that they pick to have in the shows. I mean, those are really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, they have a space about Union Market right now for like the whole month. That's awesome. And so I was looking at that, and they posted a photo of how they transformed it. And I was like, dude, that's insane. Like, I can't believe you all did that. Yeah. But I think it's cool. At the end of the day, they were all offering this new thing to D.C. Because we're, we're in an area where all this stuff is it's ripe Very for ripe. events. Everyone's open for it. People have money for it. The, the people around here want to do things, but yeah. it's just like, you know, doing it. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, let's do some shit. Like I was talking to a friend of mine uh, and she was just like, yeah, what dra like draws you to do this stuff? And I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like I can't not like I am. I have like notes in my phone, both for painting ideas and just for like, I have tried to like free myself of um, censoring my ideas. I'm just like, oh man, that's so dumb. How can I make it? How can I like push that even further and mm. think about it and put it down and then like pitch it to my Funland crew? And they might not like it, but it's just like, again, like for me, I don't ever want to deal in subtlety. I want to be like pop. I want to be broad. I want to get as many people in as possible. And I don't want it to be, this is not an art film. You know, mm. I'm, I'm Michael, I'm trying to be Michael Bay here, <laughs> but not racist. 
<laughs> Michael Bay's racist? I feel like those last few Transformers movies were a little racist. I mean, if you close your eyes watching those last few Transformers movies, it's like a dubstep concert. <laughs> I mean, you well, that's be com- true. Let me be completely honest. I was like, I was like, what is going on here? I was like, I was like, the sound engineering. <laughs> I was like, the sound engineering is on another level, but like, it's kind of obnoxious. Like, I like halfway through, I was just like so buzzed out. Yeah, it's being, a lot of sensory overload. I was just like, God, I'm gonna take the, get away from me. Oh my gosh, where's Megan Fox? Bring her back. <laughs> It was so much. Yeah, it's a lot. I know, man. I know. But besides all the events, it's like, it's it's just so interesting how, as an artist, you can do different things and how there's so many facets to being an artist and to being a person. It's like, you don't always have to be this stereotypical starving artist. You know, you can still be an amazing artist like yourself and have a job and do event productions. You know, it's like, there's so, yeah. it's not a single lane anymore. Most definitely, and I think some people uh, fall do fall a little bit into a trap of maybe overly limiting themselves. Or I always like wince a little bit when I see like fill in the blank artist as your Instagram handle. It's just like I, you know, just be you, man. Like, because you might have a, a bunch of different ideas a couple of years down the road that are not visual art based mm-hmm. or anything like that. Maybe you want to spin off and do a podcast or like whatever. And it's more like people are drawn to your energy and personality. And that's what they want from you. It's not like I only think of you as one thing. Yeah, I think it's like what makes you unique. Like you bring your drama background, your yeah. your, your your performance art background to things. You bring, you know, the style of your art to your event productions, and that's how it makes it all unique. I bring my audio engineering background to the podcast and something yeah. like that. So it's everyone kind of has their own little play on things. Most definitely, ideally, anyway. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like again, maybe I'm. Uh, you know, some people are jar- are just singularly focused on amazing photography or amazing painting or whatever. It's so boring to me to do something like that. Yeah, I'm a little too ADD for that. Same, I think. dude, same. <laughs> I've noticed that I just, I can't focus on one thing for long periods of time. I need I need to do many things at once. Yeah. I, I like having two or three going at once. It's mm-hmm. like ideal. Yeah, likewise, dude. Like, it's like juggling it all, you yeah. know? What's in the hand right now? Right, and it's exciting and you're just like, fuck, can I do this? And, and the answer is like, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I know. I feel that, man. I feel that. Oh, God damn. I can't, I can't wait. I'm, I'm, I'm super hopeful on the community around here in 2020 as far as what people are aspiring to do, what's going to happen, all the events going on. I don't know if I'm just more aware of the events going on or if there's actually a change between the last few years. Like, I don't know. Do you feel like the quality is ramping up? I don't know if, okay, yeah, the quality do, is ramping up a little bit, but I feel like more people are doing more awesome shit too. Yeah. You know, like this Friday, Diego, I don't know if you know who that is. No. Really talented local artist, Hispanic kid. He did that bench that my laptop's sitting on. Oh, cool. He's doing a big paint party at DuPont Underground. He's going to take over the entire thing and he's Whoa. probably going to pack it out. And that's just a single guy. Like to see stuff like that happening when, I don't know, when I moved, when when I met you at DC Art Studio, I, I didn't hear of anything like that going on. Yeah, I didn't know anything like that was even happening. Yeah, yeah. What was going on? Black Denali? That was it. I don't. I don't know. Like I, maybe I just didn't know. Right. Yeah, I, I'm excited. I want to be blown away by some shows this year. Right. I'm trying to. Th- yeah, I mean, there's there's some good stuff coming up. I think. I'm, but I've just been thinking about my stuff. I don't really know what else. <laughs> yeah, I think you, you got a show to run yourself. Yeah, maybe it's all getting canceled because of Corona. <laughs> but then come May, like I said, everybody's gonna be horned up, ready for a show. Yeah, come May, everyone's like, "Where the fuck do I go?" Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I, don't, I don't. It's crazy, man. 
Mm. I'm gonna have another beer. You want another one? Sure. Yeah, mm. Sure. Let's, 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 let's drink these brewskis, man. <laughs> it's actually hungover shit earlier. Oh, really? You went out last night? Uh, yeah, I was hanging out with one of my Funland compatriots. Um, you know, just did some drinking. It was great. Nice, dude. Where do you go drinking around here? Mm. Cheers, dude. Yeah. That's the angle. Um, yeah. Do-do. Love that intro. Yeah. Um, that, he did that on the spot. That's really awesome. I not believe that. Um, where do I like to drink? Um, uh, at home, often. <laughs> um, I would say probably more like a uh, a friend's patio, like in the springtime, Ooh. would probably be more ideal than a bar necessarily. But if I had to pick, um, I've done some stuff at the Passenger down in Shaw. Like I, I've seen that place. Yeah, I have like, a painting by the bathroom on the first floor. Uh, it's a big ice cream cone. Oh wow. Uh, I actually did a bunch of stuff out the back because originally they were going to have a roof deck and I think that that just didn't materialize. So I've got several murals on the back that the people with the only people who see it are people with expensive condos behind there. Have you done any murals in the city besides those ones? Other than those, I have not. Why not? Um, just not an opportunity. I would love yeah. to do more. Um, but it's also like it's trade-offs with other stuff. Yeah, I was talking with Sarah about the whole mural game. and in, in- I mean, hers was amazing. Yeah, I mean, that was insane. The one down that the crazy sketchy yes. pathway at night. But, I mean, I love seeing those meme murals. But it, it was incredible. It's like the hot thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely worry about being able to translate my own work to that. Uh, but also, it's just like it's not an opportunity that has come up for me. And it's also not something I'm actively, nor am I actively like trying to bid that stuff out mm. just because there's only so many things I can do. And it's kind of like, you know what? I think at this moment, I'd rather kind of like focus on my individual art practice and finish out these portraits that I made in Matsudo. And then also figure out like what is the next Funland Productions thing going to be? Because I think it's also, I think one side of the like, I want to do a bunch of stuff is also recognizing like what are things that I'm not that great at? And I don't know if I'm that uh, particularly good mural artist necessarily. Like I love doing large rendered versions of my stuff, but at the same time, it's just like, eh, like I would rather leave that to people who are very talented at it and like very passionate about it. Yeah. It's probably wrong to think that everyone has to be a mural artist. You know, like just no, because oh, you I, don't, I don't think that's what you're saying though. Yeah. Um, it's just more like, yeah, it would be fun to do, but it's just like, I, I don't know how successful I would be in that necessarily. Mm. Yeah, maybe not everyone's artist translates, or maybe not everyone's just like, it's just not their thing. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know where murals are going to go. May, maybe there's a day where everyone's freaking business walls covered with a mural, and we're like, all right, I'm sick of this shit. Yeah, oversaturation like crazy. Yeah, but something else I think is interesting, like, and we kind of touched on it a little bit with, with talking about Corona, like, lightly, but is how, like, as artists, we're very dependent on a good economy. Very much so, You yeah. know, and, and for me, it's not about presidency, but the economy's good right now, and we're doing well because of it. Like, we are giving opportunities, and people have extra money to spend on, on our events, yeah. on, on our original pieces, because... It's not too bad outside. Right. You know, I, I remember the housing crisis. I didn't, I wasn't, I don't even know if, know if I was making money back then, but I remember those times. And yeah, people freaking the fuck out. Yeah, there wasn't much to do, but now it feels like we're in a, such a prosperity period. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's insane. I've never experienced something like this. Yeah. But I guess the thing is, like, let's say the economy does tank. 
I feel like there's so many ways you could play with that for an event, though. Like, you know, it's the $5 <laughs> show or it's the, you know. People like, still want to go out and drink. Well, and it's just like uh, they've done studies that like movie attendance actually jumps during times of economic hardship, for example, mm-hmm. because people want an escape. Like always they want an escape. Um, now you probably are going to have to tailor that to the time price wise. But but yeah, people want to be able like if times are good, it's just like let's enhance this good feeling. And if times are bad, it's like let me just not think about this shit for two hours and go like look at some amazing photography or like go to a cool event where I play around like and I can just get a little bit of an escape. It's a very human need. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's like I, I'm so stressed out with real life. Let me just disassociate, disconnect for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Have some fun and like, and then maybe you go back to the things that are troubling you and then maybe they're not that bad. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I can see how people would want to release a little bit now that I'm kind of like in that prime age of being an adult. It's like, oh, no, now I actually feel the effects of these things. Exactly. And and I think it's just like when you're in your early 20s, you're like, what's with all these people trying to relax? And now I'm 33 <laughs> and like, you know what I love? A hot bath, baby. Like, <laughs> Just to like wind me down at night. I don't know how I feel about baths. I feel like I've never lived in a place where I felt safe taking a bath. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, I live in like a roomies. Like I moved in DC. I did it kind of fast, so I was just like, oh, let me get some roomies. I got lucky. Two dope roomies, cool. Not really good friends, of them, but shout out to the roomies. Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're cordial, we're friendly. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no way I'm dunking my nuts in the bath. Uh that's fair. I mean, <laughs> it's just myself and my wife, so like you know, we kind of keep keep the tub clean for one another. Oh, is it? Is it? How's the whole kid pressure coming like that? You think oh, there ain't none. You know, we, we have a dog, but there's no. You don't want nothing. Absolutely not. Ooh, that's a weird question. I think it would be a... No, I think it's a good question. Uh, I think it would be a bad parent. I'm a selfish person. What do you mean? You'd be an awesome dad. You'd be like, come to my event. You can uh, help, make him help out and shit. Here's the thing. I think like uncle is what I'm into. Like I have a, I have a couple of friends who have kids and it's just like, oh, I just want to like get... Like I'm a childish person. I like childish things. I like toys. I like video games. And it's just like, I love the idea of like coming in for a weekend and like... Like my dream right now is a buddy of mine from college. He has like a two year old, and like when that kid is old enough, like let's go to fucking Coney Island for a day. Like, oh, that sounds that so would fun. be so fun to me. But I think that the like he's just told me about like the day to day responsibilities of being a parent. I'm like that sucks, <laughs> and I don't think that the joy of those individual moments for me personally would like outweigh the emotional hardship of how really hard it is. Like I just don't truly. I'm not trying to. I'm not a humble person, so I'm not trying to be humble when I say this. Like, I don't have the fortitude for the hard times. Like, I just want to have the fun times. Teach our own, just like, I'll babysit, take them out, have a good day, but I don't want to have to deal with the little small implications from the day-to-day actions. Exactly. Like, I mean, I get along well with kids, and I like, something I really like is I've had some really nice teaching opportunities. Um, So there's this Eastern Market Art uh, Weekend Series. Um, Shout out to East Workshops. Okay, Um, shout out to them. But I've done a couple with them, and it's like kids from, I want to say like late elementary school to middle school, and they're so fun to work with because they have no, there's no filter for anything, but there's also no self-censoring either. So it's just like... The rawness of their individualities is so cool. Yeah, and it's just so great to see their ideas, and they are really kind of fearless about sharing them and their perspectives. I'm just like, man, this is awesome. Like you give them a little bit of runway and they just go, they don't need a lot of like, whereas I think adults need a lot more reassurance and like, Oh, I'm going to be bad at this or whatever. It's like, kids don't care. Like they're game to do it. So what games do you play? Uh, so I have a PlayStation four, I have a switch and I have, 
What are you addicted to right now? Uh, so I was very addicted to the game Death Stranding. Whoa, I didn't even heard about that. Oh, boy. Uh, how much time you got? <laughs> <laughs> I got this beer. Got this beer. Okay. So the premise of Death Stranding, it's by Hideo Kojima, who is this uh, kind of legendary Japanese director who did all the Metal Gear games, which I also very much enjoy. Wait a minute. You're not the first person to bring this up this week. Is it about there's like a virus or something and there's like a child in a, a cage that tells you telepathically what's <laughs> going on? Is that the video game? <laughs> I feel like my mother... The you're like my mom describing this. Oh my god! So sort of. I'm a so, boomer. Yeah, sorry. So there is a. It's a post-apocalyptic America. A virus has wiped out a lot of the population, but there's also like basically wormholes are real and have opened up. But so that when it rains, time goes faster. So like animals die. There's no animals because the animals like age quickly and die. But as long as you basically wear a hood, you're on it unaffected and so the world is disconnected and you are a porter so you're physically delivering packages to people whoa and that is a lot of the game and but but also the worlds between the living and the dead i'm not a religious person and neither is the game really like basically ghosts are real and the ghosts can kill you but with your like baby in the pod see i got it right yeah you're gonna you got it right you can see them so those are called like bts aka beached thing we could do a whole separate podcast on death stranding <laughs> but like all of it came out november 8th so like right as the lowbrow show was ending and i just became utterly it destroyed my creative life for a month and a half but but it'd be I, like that sometimes it'd be like that sometimes and you know what so kojima is like it was so cinematic so it has motion capture from norman oh. reedus you oh. know who's on walking dead Leia Sedu, some other actors in it. Um, so it looks very true to life. And so, you know, you spend 60 hours with all these characters and there is some shooting in action, but it is really like a very beautiful and contemplative game. It's like a movie. It, it, very it's, much. It's like a VR movie. Like, at what point does it blur that line where the technology is so good where it's like, it's you're living through the story and you can control it. It's like, hey, what if The Walking Dead was well, you just get to play it instead of just sitting on your couch. Exactly. And but truly by the end of it, I was sobbing. I mean, I cried wow. fairly easily, but like it, it was so moving and amazing. So that was the last thing that I played that really blew me away. Mm. Um right now I'm hotly anticipating Doom Eternal, which comes out on oh, uh, March twentieth. FPSs, baby. Yeah, just fucking uh, um and I like, what am I playing right now? Warcraft 3 Remastered on the PC. Oh, that came out? Uh, yeah, came out in January. Dude, I, I used to love Warcraft. That's Warcraft 3. Warcraft uh, 3 is a big reason why I play League of Legends. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't I like, I like don't play any Battle Royale games or mm -hmm. stuff like that. I feel like they kind of get old fast for me. Um, and then I have a Switch also. So like the last good thing I played on that was Link's Awakening, the remake. I heard that was amazing. It's beautiful. And it's <sighs> so well done. See, I've always had a problem with, with adventure games. I've never finished them. Oh, really? Like, I, I, I may have commitment issues. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Maybe. But like I, I, I swear to God, I've never finished uh, in any any adventure game. Yeah. Like I've started it and I got lost. I think the last one I tried playing was Tales of Symphonia on the GameCube. Ooh, yeah. Which was a two-disc game. And yeah, that game yeah. is, like a, is, is highly collected. I remember I like, I think I kind of stole it from someone. I borrowed it, but I never gave it back. Noise. Yeah. Hashtag thiefing. Yeah, right? <laughs> Sorry, guy. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> I still remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I got like 
halfway through the game, switched the disc, and I and I tried going back to it, and I forgot what was going on, so I just couldn't oh, figure yeah. it out anymore. It's frustrating if you take a little break and you have to come back, and you're just like, "What is this game now?" I've always enjoyed watching video games, though. That was the thing. I always had a fr- one of my best friends growing up. He would always play Final Fantasy and Metal Gear, and I always yeah. loved watching him play, which is why I love Twitch. Twitch. Oh TV. yeah, yeah. I don't so like. In some ways, I'm just like, man, I'm old. Like, it's not that I dislike Twitch. I just feel like that is a little bit like I only have so much time for like to be at a screen. So like, I'm very close to my brother. Shout out, Matthew. Um, He lives in L.A. and he is like a great consumer of like good streaming content. So always be like, oh, you watching this? You watching this? I'm just like, I have maybe two hours a day for screen time. And if it's not something I'm watching with my wife, like I'm going to be gaming. So like, no, I haven't watched that and I probably won't. So just like spoil the story for me, please. Yeah. I've noticed that like I, the amount that I can, like the amount of inf- things, extremes and videos that I consume is so little. It's always like I have to be involved to doing it as opposed to sitting there stagnant. Yeah, exactly. It, Unless um, something really grabs me. True. Like entertainment wise. Um, like I love going to movies and I like the theater experience. Like, and in DC, we are blessed with many good movie theaters. Yeah, we are. Our good um, pop-up ones too. Yeah. Oh, I love the one over at Union Market. Yeah. Uh, the Angelica. Yep. I love the Atlantic Plumbing. Like, we are really lucky to have, and the, even AMC Georgetown under under the bridge there by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, <laughs> dumbass joke. Um, you know, like we're so lucky to have that. And I draw a lot of inspiration from movies too. I mean, you maybe wouldn't see it directly in my work, but just like. Like once upon a time in Hollywood, I was very obsessed with this past summer. Oh, I haven't seen that yet, dude. It's so good. Um, I'll watch it tonight. You should. Pull locker. What's up? Um, and I've watched it like three times, three Ooh. or four times, and it's so so good. You know, I, I feel you about like especially with art, that inspiration from movies. I remember I was on a cruise not too long ago, and they were playing it, like the most recent. I think it was like it two or it three. Yeah, and there's a scene where. It is like levit. He's like flying. He's holding balloons, like a stack of red balloons. And he's just like levitating towards the kid. And I was like, "Oh my god, that's the idea I need for this concept I'm working on for this photography exhibition I have in my head." Yeah, from a scary movie. I was like, "I need to watch more movies." Yeah, especially when the cinematography is so good. Like yeah. in like in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Like, uh, so it's the cinematographer Roger Deakins did that, and just like all the visuals in that movie are amazing. Um, or like Christopher Nolan movies I also really like uh, as well. I'm super excited for Tenet, his new one coming out this summer. What's that one about? Uh, it has uh, Denzel Washington's son in it and uh, Robert Pattinson. It's like some sort of... Denzel's son is acting? Oh, yeah. He's been in like a bunch of stuff. Really? Oh, yeah. He was on Ballers. Uh, oh, if you watch oh, Ballers. No, I never saw that one. It's good. Um, Rock was in it. I know that. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne, I think you mean. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. 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 <laughs> Um, but it's some sort of like weird time travel conceit to it, but it looks mm. kind of crazy. Dude, I can't tell you the last time I've been to the movies. Oh, man. Dude, seriously, I think it's been like years. Wow. Yeah. Is it just not a thing that excites you that much? Mm, it's not something I would do by myself. Oh, see, I get a lot of going to the movies by myself. Really? You do that? Absolutely. Like, to me, the best possible movie going experience would be like a summer on a Friday, like I have off or I've called in a fake sick day and I go to see like a dumb Marvel movie like <laughs> 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh my God. That is like my platonic ideal. 
And just one, you don't like do the movie hopping where you just kind of stay there and just go to the. I've done one. some movie hopping, um, but even if it's just like just going to one, yeah. like I I love seeing, especially it's like when you get in that like October to December time. That's when it's a like great time for award movies. season. You can just like boom, boom, boom on a weekend. I don't know why I've always linked going to movies with someone, but when you're watching a movie, you don't even talk to that person. So when you really think about it, what am I? What what I got it messed up. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, it's just like it can be a very fun solo activity. And also, if, if you enjoy smoking weed, like getting, getting a little baked beforehand, Ooh, going yeah, by yourself. I do do a little mota. Ooh. Yeah, it's a nice experience. It Highly is. recommended. See, I'm so bad about being, I'm getting better, but I'm so bad about being publicly baked. I've, I mm. feel like I feel it's like, like the Onion article where the headline is like, you're super high and everyone knows. <laughs> Dude, it's like there's, there's there's been a few times. The most recent time is I went to the, uh, the portrait gallery up in Chinatown, and I was like, it was like a Sunday. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. It's like a nice day. I'm gonna go. I'm just gonna go look some art by myself. And it's different for everyone, but for me, I was like, I was like about to walk in. And I hit like a joint or like a little one hitter I had a few times, and I walk in. And I was like, oh my god, I am freaking out right now. And like yeah. I, I couldn't enjoy it because I was just personally freaking too out. anxious. I was just getting too anxious. And it's I was understandable. Like, but for some reason, when I'm out and someone else just randomly, there's like a mystery joint, I'm like, oh, yeah, and I handle it amazingly. But what? The, but that one time I'm by myself doing it, I was just... The personal responsibility can be a lot. It was too much. I had to like go sit in front of like one of the great paintings and just relax for a second and just look at Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> just calm down. Yeah. Yeah, that can be tough. Um, yeah. I think maybe just like repeat. You need some like exposure therapy for that. Yeah, I think so. I right? like get, get more used to it. Yeah, I'm like a nighttime stoner. Like I'll, I'll go home. Yeah, me too. Usually, smoke a little bit, play some league, feed all my games. Just just play terribly, but I have fun. Yeah, because my oh, my reflexes are the worst. Yeah. Um, I just don't notice the map or something, and I just yeah. Uh, I would say I'm generally a nighttime high person. Yeah, same dude. People who like go about their day big, I'm so impressed. Oh man, I just feel like tired. Even if I have like a good sativa, I'm just like I'm gonna go to bed right Dude, now. <laughs> I don't know if I believe the whole sativa indica thing sometimes. Yeah, because I'm just like I don't know. I still feel baked and like I don't want to interact with anyone. <laughs> like I don't know if I believe that anymore. I want to Uber eats myself uh, eighty dollars worth of McDonald's and like <laughs> yeah. just shut this door forever. Dude, like my nightmare is being on like I ninety five after eating an edible. Like that Ooh. is that would seem like hell for me. Yeah, that's pretty bad, dude. <sighs> But it's so weird because when I was younger, I vividly remember driving home from Virginia to Norfolk, ODO, into college there. It was like a three and a half hour drive. Oh, my God. And I had my Chinese exchange student roommate uh, with me. And I was like smoking a blunt on the way there. <laughs> and I handled it like a champ. You sound was, cool as hell this time in your life. Yeah. But now if I did that, I would just freak out and pull over. <laughs> I would be like very upset if I was the passenger and someone was doing that. He did. He had no idea what was going on. He, he was like he was like from like Bangkok and he was just like, Bruce, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm just I'm just smoking some little weed. And he's like, oh, he's like, you can drive. I'm like, yeah. He was just like so fascinated. It's legal in America. Yeah, he was just like, kidding. Yeah, not at all. He, he was like so fascinated by it at that point. I was just like, yeah. Yeah, I'm cool. Yeah, yeah, that would terrify me. <laughs> I, I never forget that shit. But living in DC now, the weed environment has been interesting. Like, as someone who's grown up outside of DC and now living in the city and seeing it go from illegal to legal and and figuring out these weird loopholes. Like, if anyone's listening, still, there's a weird thing where you donate for things. Right. So that is the uh like the decrim part of it. I have a medical card personally. Oh, you do? I do. How'd you get it? 
Uh, because I have anxiety. <laughs> oh, dude, I have anxiety too. I have a DCID. All right, I'll, I'll connect with you after the off mic. We yeah, well, I'm happy to refer you. Yeah, because uh, I don't want to name names. Yeah, please broader. don't. Please don't. Please um, don't. But yeah, the medical system is nice. Um, shout out to Tacoma Wellness right over by uh, DCR Studios. Like shout they out. are hands down the best dispensary in the area. Ooh, but but to get it, do I have to make an appointment? With a doctor or something? Yes. And then they refer you. It's basically like a tax collection scheme because mm. like the doctor visit is expensive. The card is 100 bucks, And then after that, basically you're granted access to any dispensary in the city for a year. Mm, but I have problems sleeping. So is that going to help me? That would help. Oh, it's good because I, I got to talk to them about that. Yeah. <laughs> got to get your rest. I mean, there's a place up near me called like Lit City. Uh, yeah. So Lit City, I think... It, also still operates under like a donation model. Yeah, they they skate very close on that line. A lot of them do, but I think like they have a case to, you know, I feel like unless you're like crazy flagrant, uh, like King Weedy, this person who was throwing parties for a little bit, like... I saw that. I think that he's been like busted a couple times just because it's just like a little too flagrant. Mm. Where, dude, I feel like I'm getting sauce. We should probably log off on this one. Okay. <laughs> Before you say something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> More stupid in my case, but totally understand. Yeah, I know. I can say you're going to get a little messed up with you, but I'm like, oh, I don't know where this conversation is going to devolve to. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> We're here Charlie Visconage. That's it. That's the angle. Peace. Bye-bye. Yeah, right, let's enjoy these beers in peace. Woo. I feel like I was just talking shit. <laughs> that was so fun, though. Oh, so I made you a um, portrait, by the way. Oh, shit. Well, we're still recording, so I can oh, share right. this. Oh, my God. All yeah. right. All right. I take it back. It's the first time I've... Oh, my... What? We're back. Why didn't you announce this already that we were recording? Well, well it didn't really come up organically. Oh. Uh, I didn't want to, like, interrupt you. Um, but I was kind of on a roll doing portraits, and I was like, it'd be nice to bring you a gift. Dude, um, what? I can have this? Yeah, absolutely. Whoa. Um, Dude. So it was kind of like in the style that I've been doing of these Matsudo portraits. So I looked on your website and basically did a facsimile of, like, because you have shorter hair on your website, but in your other IG pics, you've got your, your sweet long locks now. Can I describe this to people who are listening? Sure. So I'm going to show it to you guys on camera here pretty soon. But it is a hand-drawn. It says Brucey Baby. Oh, so the other thing that I wanted to tell you is every time that I see you, in my mind, I have kind of like a dumbass joke that <laughs> I would like to become our thing. What um, is it? I had like this whole can set up, and then, you know, you did such a good job having like normal organic human conversation. Um, so like every time I see you, I think of like doing a fucking dumb Austin Powers impression and being like, Brucey, baby, yeah. <laughs> so then I was like, whatever, that's going to be the piece. Dude, okay, so if everyone listening, it says Brucey, baby, on the bottom under my chin, it says, yeah. And in the middle is me, and I have red skin. Yeah. I I just love, so like I have this red pastel. It's like a crayon marker thing. Um, so I did it in like thick pencil first. And I don't know, it was just like, I mean, red is my favorite color also. Um, but I was just like, I don't know, you give me like a red, like Ooh, vibrant energy. Thank you. And I have orange lips. Those are my orange lips. Yeah. <laughs> very, very <laughs> orange, man. <laughs> Like I was eating some turmeric or something. <laughs> okay, actually, actually, this is an accent I've always wondered about. The V20. Is mm. it, oh, is that Visconch? Yeah, so it's, so it's interesting. So for a long time, I had like just would sign my last name like in lowercase, whatever, and do the year. 
Um, and I spoke to somebody like an art consultant Dude, a couple years so ago sick. where she was like, uh, and this was good advice. I honestly just don't remember her name. That's not that's why I'm not naming it. But she was like, you know what you should do is just come up with like a consistent three or four subjects that you're always going to paint. And then I left that meeting and be like, eh, fuck that. Like I want to do... <laughs> I want to do a million different things, but what is the unifying factor? And I love Marvel comics and you know, they always have the little logo in the upper right. Oh, So I was just like, well, what's unique about like no one else. I know everyone with my last name, like it's all my family members. And so I just decided to make that my little stamp. It'll be everywhere. The black and the red. I've, no, so I've noticed the that v you, you always the, the year. V in the year. All right. I'm going to show people who are watching. I'm going to pull it up to the camera. Maybe you could see. Hold it. Give me one second. Yeah, there you go. Dude, how sick is that? That's so sick. But yeah, so I, when I was in Matsudo, like I had this with me a lot and it would be at bars. And so I just did some like quick sketches for people and gave them as gifts as well. What, dude? Um, so, so I was kind of riffing on that. Can for I you. have this? Yeah, yeah, please. Here, I don't want to tear it up. Can you do it? Sure. I don't want to like. Let's do it gently. Because you're the pro. I don't want to mess it up. I've never had a, someone draw a portrait of me. It's really oh. cool. And then I have, you can also see on the back, I did a first take that was, I think, like, would have been offensive. Just, you can show, I put on autofocus, so it would probably focus on it now. Okay. This first take was <laughs> not Look nice. at those eyebrows. <laughs> I really fucked it up. But I was like, whatever. Look, look at the bags under the eyes. I didn't even notice. It's bad. Asked. Like, it was not nice. So I was like, fuck, this really didn't. As, as we were talking about, just to go back to, like, sometimes they don't turn out. Like as as hoped, so that's sort of the secret shame side. Uh, what are my, my lips doing right there? Uh, they're open, but it's bad. Uh, like I said, they're not always good, dude. No, but this <laughs> see is see the great. process. Thank you so much. You're, you know, you're, you're actually the first person to give me a gift on this podcast. Really? Yeah, seriously, man. Oh. Thank you. And you're giving everyone the gift of this entertainment, and they don't bring you some shit. Yeah, I I, I, I wish this was a thing where people would bring me some, but I do. We're setting the precedent now. Yeah, if you're if you're still listening to this part, which you probably are. <laughs> You better bring me some shit, all right? Well, this is maybe the title of this episode should be like why you should bring Bruce a gift. Oh, you've noticed how <laughs> I do how or why. I like that. I, I like that a lot because it's like a good hook rather than being like episode 102, like colon, so-and-so. Like I like that they're, like you have a through line that so, you come up with for so each one. The reason behind that if, of why I go, why Charlie Visconge does all this or what, what the, whatever it is, you know, the question or whatever is because I'm interviewing people that aren't, famous right? yeah and if you look at someone like joe rogan or logan paul or any of these other big programs they have famous people who everyone recognizes them. right so they don't even have to say shit they could just be like uh robert de niro episode 1607 people be like oh fuck yeah but i'm, I'm interviewing charlie visconge no one knows who the fuck charlie visconge no, is besides like you and your family and people around here right so i have to make it seem compelling to normal people yeah and so i figured out that if i can give it a good like subject line or good caption yeah, a good hook or a good hook in like a decent thumbnail then i can bring people who have no idea in about you oh i really like it i yeah. think it's like a great um point of view on that yeah and, and and then i'll do like the little clips of you that way i can maybe bring them in something we talked about you know yeah but that's that's because for me i'm like this is good content people need to see it how do i bring them in yeah and it's by that caption line of like the remarkable thing about that person in a question form. Yeah, I like it a, a lot. Without a question mark. Yeah, I, I like that very much. Yeah. 
It's funny you notice that. No one ever notices that. No, you know. You're very perceptive. <laughs> Especially, I like Pay it. close attention. I'm going to hang this on my wall. I have like a, uh, in my in my room, I have like a wall of, of like tiny art and this fits perfectly in there. Oh, sweet. Yeah, you, well, put, yeah. you put my earring on there. Yeah, man. Damn, you're perceptive. This is good. Dude, this is so sick. And the middle part, Brucey baby. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's Brucey baby, yeah. Brucey baby, yeah. <laughs> dude, I, dude, I remember I saw Goldmember with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Like when it came out, and I've never had such a better time with my mom in my life. Oh, right. We shared the best laughs that night. Actually, that is like a moment in my life I'll never forget is the amount of like fun we shared in that moment. Just the the laughs, thinking about fat bastard <laughs> eating his own skin and like all that shit, dude. We had. Smells. I love gold. I love gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but if you've held on this long, then more power to you. Yeah, right. Dude, that was that's an iconic movie. People don't talk about that enough. Goldmember was all Oscar movies. Oh God. Yeah, I'm I'm here for it. Speaking of movies, it's like in ten years, I feel like movies won't exist. You don't think so? You I think it's think all so. going to be streaming four minute? I don't think it will exist. I think it's going to be a pastime. Mm. I think it's going to be like a drive-in theater. I think going to the movies is going to be like a like a pastiche kind of. Yeah, thing. it has like a novelty to it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I really believe that. Watch out, Hollywood. I know, right? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Harbinger of doom here. They're going to be like premiering it on YouTube. But yeah. dude, seriously, thank you, man, so much for this. You're welcome. I'm going to seriously put this up. This is cool. Oh, my God. But fuck this can, the yeah, remember my <laughs> secret shame on the back. That's all right. It'll be against the wall like this. <laughs> See, dude, that's why one day I really hope to have my own podcast studio when this podcast actually generates revenue. And I can just like... Hanging up in Bruce Studios. Yeah, you know, Bruce Allen Studios. That's the Angle Studios. Let's post it up. But until then, we got to deal with this guy with the visor. So I don't know what he's doing. Looking at you. Yeah. All right, do you have any more surprises before I log this one? No, off? that's the only That's the only surprise. All right. Well, guys, that's it. That's the angle. The real ending. Goodbye. Deuces. <laughs> oh, wait, what is that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>